This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed the final opening kickoff of 2023. Thanks for, are, are we ringing it? I guess we're ringing in the new year. For the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. The whole gang's here. I'm Mark Kahn. That's Lee Trevanian. Michael Bronner's in the house. And uh, we encourage you to join our our little show here by uh, calling us, 694-1055 or... You can always get us in the app at WNSP.com. Congratulations to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, they did it. You know, we had guest yesterday, Ian Thompson, who promised that it would be a much tighter game than people thought. He was right on. And as I was watching some of the Pistons-Celtics game last night, I was thinking, my gosh, could could he be correct? Because he said, don't be surprised if the Pistons win. He gave us a variety of reasons. Well, they had a 21-point lead. Uh, they actually had a 19-point lead at the half. Then they fell behind and rallied in the fourth quarter to force overtime. In fact, they had the last shot in regulation, and it misfired. And then in overtime, the Celtics outlasted. So the Pistons, the numbers are this. 28 straight. That ties the all-time NBA record for most consecutive losses. They're tied now with the Sixers. They have a chance to break the record tomorrow night at home against Toronto. The professional sports record in North America is 29 uh, the Chicago Cardinals football team in the 40s. So Pistons, uh, two more losses, and they hold the all-time record for most losses. So, so you're congratulating them <laughs> yes. for losing again. Yes, they, that takes a lot to me. To go 28 straight games without winning is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, the law of averages, the ball bouncing here and there, somewhere along the line something has to happen that you would pick up a win. I, it's just I find it very hard to believe you can lose that many games in a row because they're not a. They got some really good players. This guy, Cade Cunningham, is really good. They have a couple of other good players on the team. Cunningham averages about 30 points a game lately. You, hey, look, okay, you've played basketball, you've coached it. Don't you find it kind of like, how does this happen? How do you lose that many games in a row? Apparently, the other teams you play are just better than you. No, it's it's really shocking that they would lose now that there's there's so much media attention to them losing games. Now it's how they're losing games that is really kind of taken over to be up twenty one in Boston and then lose in overtime. I mean, again, at what point do these guys just throw their hands up because they're playing hard? They were playing hard yesterday, but at what point do they just say, "I'm, I'm done." I'm done. Now now you're you're losing games now and you're playing hard. What happens when they throw their hands up and say, I'm not going to play hard anymore? And when will that point come? I mean, you, I, I guess I give them credit for continuing to play hard, but, man, if you're a Detroit fan, wouldn't you rather just lose by, like, be down 20 in the third quarter and turn it off and, and wake up the next morning and find out you lost your 28th game and said to stick with it, go into overtime after losing? Like, it would have been better if they were down 21 and lost in overtime because you're like, okay, okay, here we go. Here we, 
Man, this is like worst case scenario if you're a Detroit fan. They were playing the best team in the NBA record-wise. That would be the Boston Celtics. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Tommy DeVito, the quarterback for the Giants, was the quarterback flavor of the month. He was all Tommy DeVito's bringing the Giants back, and uh, they've won like three in a row. Well, he's faded. He's done. Uh, he's been benched. So now the quarterback flavor is Joe Flacco. This was a guy that wasn't even on a team till about, what, five, six weeks ago since being signed by the Cleveland Browns. He has started five games. They've won four. They make the postseason, and that's no easy task for the Browns. It's only the third time since uh, 2002 they've made postseason, first time since 2020. Last year, Flacco was quarterbacking the Jets against the Browns. So he led the uh, offense yesterday with three touchdown passes. Browns win the game going away 37-20, to 20, most points scored against the Jets' defense this season. So now they're the fifth seed right now in the playoff hunt. And here's a guy that has a Super Bowl championship to his credit. Kind of basically was out of football coming into the year, Mark. And now he becomes the the hot topic these days for quarterbacks. So Cleveland and their front office, we talked about Russell Wilson yesterday, right? Yes. So do you guys remember what happened in March of 2022? I'm sure you do. There's a guy named Deshaun Watson who inked a pretty profitable contract if you remember in fact let me say it with me five years 230 million and here's the key part fully guaranteed <laughs> and so yeah there's some issues in cleveland now do you know how many quarterbacks the browns have used this year to get to flacco and this is mind-boggling he is the fourth quarterback yeah the fourth you look at the teams now and the number of backups and third stringers, and now Flacco's a fourth stringer. It is incredible. And when people ask me, who do I think is going to get here and there? And I say, look, hard to answer. I, I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking because it's the most important position in the NFL. I don't know who's going to be around. Hey, uh, totally different subject. You know, coming up at 8 o'clock is Glenn Gilbo. Glenn wrote a story uh, for OutKick way back at the start of the season. He is the one who... Uh, wrote the story about Nick Saban, perhaps, well, I say perhaps, he, he said Nick Saban will announce his retirement af if, they, if, 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 if they win the championship this year and then maybe, as he penned it, uh, and then stay one more year uh, through the 12-team playoff and then retire. Now, he's 72, and I only bring this up, and we're going to talk to Glenn about this. He's covering the Texas-Washington game also, so there's that. But I bring this up because of the story about Lee Corso yesterday. And, and you're, you're, you know him well. Your, your dad once lined him up, I guess, at a speaking engagement in New Orleans back when he was a youngster. A youngster being relative, yes. Yeah. He and, uh, Lee Corso was asked yesterday if he's going to retire from game day. He said, absolutely not. He will be 89. Wrap your head around that. 89 when they start that show next fall. He says they're going to have to drag me away kicking and screaming before I retire. Well, I mean, I I don't know what he's making, but clearly he's got the best of both worlds because, you know, he enjoys doing it. They've certainly pulled back on what he does. They only bring him out a couple times during the course of the show. You know, he's got Kirk Herbstreit there, who's essentially a crutch for him now. Um, 
I, w- I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect him to go anywhere. I don't think ESPN is going to force him to go anywhere. I don't either. I think this is one of those deals where they know he's the most popular person on that panel. He is the original. You go back to 1987 when this all started, game day. He was one of the originals. You're right about Herb Street. Uh, he is basically doing everything he can to ensure that Lee gets through whatever he's talking about because it's pretty obvious you know he slowed down who wouldn't at the age of what 88 who wouldn't slow down heck we all slow down as we get older but uh he, he kirk herb street will do whatever he can and, and and because because corso was so nice to herb street when kirk was brought in as a rookie to replace craig james I mean, James was there, and then he left to go to another network. So Herb Street and Corso basically nurtured Herb Street to get through those first couple of years. So in return, Herb Street has been very generous in, in trying to make sure that Corso, uh, you know, gets through. And you know, he'll forget things, I'm sure, but we all do. I do. I mean, and and, and I, I'm nowhere close to 89 yet. So I give Corso a lot of credit. I really do. Are we gonna have to pull you away, kicking and screaming at some point? I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I I, I can't. I, I don't see myself being here at the age of 88. I really don't. It's it's, it's, it's like, only it's what like 12 short years I from now. I don't see that happening. No. No. All right. Michael, but, are you going to be uh, here 12 more years? Are you going to be around? Here? We'll see. Okay. We, we, you, we'll you'd see. Be, That's you'd be a whopping what, like 35? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be coming into your prime then. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, we'll talk to Glenn, and we'll ask him about that story he wrote for Outkick and if he still feels that's uh, a possibility. Uh, the more I read about the four teams, the, the more I, I give credence to the fact that Alabama may win this whole thing. That seems to be the general topics these days, uh, what Alabama has going for it. Very interesting. I, I hope we get the comment from Jalen Milrow. These press conferences going on at Disney – where he was asked about Bill O'Brien, who's now with the Patriots, not having a good year, by the way, used to be the Alabama coordinator, suggesting that maybe Milrow changed to another position. And, and it was quite a, you know, back and forth on that. And Milrow said, no, I don't think so. I think I'll stay as the quarterback. I don't want to move to another position. Yeah, he was asked how he felt about that. And he said, well, how would you feel if someone told me told you you sucked? Those were his words. So um, he wasn't having any of it. And. I you know, I don't I don't blame Bill O'Brien. I, I I don't think any more any less of Bill O'Brien for making the comment. I think I think college football and football hist- in general, if you go back through history, you'll find guys that were told to to change positions and it worked out for them. And you and, and you, you there are a bunch of guys that were told to change positions and they didn't and it worked out for them. I'm sure there are guys that went and were told to change positions and 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 they didn't do it and the coach was right. So. Uh, I mean, look, you ask, it's like radio. You ask 10 different guys what good radio is, you're going to get 10 different answers. Right. I, think, I think most people would tell you that Jalen Milrow isn't really a seasoned or polished quarterback. Now, he's greatly improved. Has he proven Bill O'Brien wrong? Yeah. I mean, a guy's the starting quarterback for a team that's in the college football playoff and playing this weekend. So, I yeah, can give you two examples of Heisman Trophy winners who were – suggested that they move to different positions and they would not one was tim tebow you know was always talk move him to tight end eventually he did try but it was too late and that was with jacksonville uh when he went to denver and i think when he went to the jets they suggested that he switch over he wouldn't do it 
and that uh, that ended his career for the most part. The other, do you remember the Nebraska quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner, Eric Crouch? Mm-hmm. And I think he came here for the Senior Bowl, and they suggested he move to a different position, and he did not. And I don't remember the timeline there if he actually left and, and didn't even compete in the Senior Bowl, but his career went downhill after that too. That those were the two that come to mind as far as suggesting that they move to a, a different position. Didn't uh, Matt Jones, um, Arkansas? Yeah, didn't weren't there talk? Didn't he move or did I make that up? Maybe no, I'm- there was talk. I, I I don't mark. You're you may be on. I think you're onto something, but I don't remember all the details. I don't know who suggested. That he moved from quarterback to another position, or if he even did, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember the name. I remember he was pretty good at Arkansas, but I also remember there, there was that take that maybe you should look at a different position. Yeah. No, I, look, whatever, whatever motivates Jalen Milrow. Good for him. It, it it worked out. I mean, do, do you think any? Do you think any? Differently of Bill O'Brien? No, I, I'll say this about Bill O'Brien. He He's had a very up and down. He was a very good coach for Houston until they put him into the GM position, too. And I think we've learned in the NFL, you're the coach, stay there. Let, let somebody else run the personnel department. Now we're seeing that, uh, Michael, I don't know if you'll agree with me, with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Well, uh, I think it worked for 20 years, but yes. I See, I don't... <sighs> then they're going to have to pull him out, gra- uh, kick it and scream. It, it worked. It worked. <laughs> With Brady, though, but the thing was, they didn't always have good drafts, did they? Uh, For the most part, they did not. And when O'Brien took over the personnel department, things went downhill with Houston. He was They, they were making the postseason every year. They'd get eliminated in the first round, but they were at least making it. Then when he took over, now I thought when he went to New England, perhaps he could be the difference in Mac Jones. That obviously hasn't worked out. Well... I think the roster is also largely talentless uh, at this point, which, again, goes back to poor drafts over the last few years. So, yeah. And I'll even say this same thing about Dallas with Jerry Jones getting involved. You know, they've had they haven't had great drafts when you really think about it. Uh, A few guys have panned out, of course. But for the most part, their drafts, first round, second round, haven't uh, turned out the the players that when Jimmy Johnson was there and kind of running the show. Uh, but with New England and, and Belichick's track record, if you go back, is not very, very good when it comes to drafting. And that he apparently, according to my reports, he he totally takes over. He, you know, he, you got scouts out there. You got And, and you know, somebody that would be better versed on this is Jim Nagy, who used to be with the Patriots as a scout. He knows more about it than I do. I'm just going by on reports I've heard that the, the, the failures in the draft fall right on his shoulders. Uh, all right, so it's 6.17. Here's what we got going on. Uh, Spanish sport basketball coach Chad Athens can join us at 6.30. We'll talk some NFL with Ross Jackson in hour number two. Matt Cohen, my colleague over at AL.com, he covers Auburn. He's going to join us in hour number two. You mentioned Glenn Gilbo in hour number three. And Mike Rodak on Alabama, Michigan. Uh, let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. When we come back, the Pop-Tart Bowl was a big success. Bronner disagrees. But I ain't even talking about football. Who's the big sponsor? Of, who's the big winner of the uh, of the last couple of weeks here? I think it comes down to three sponsors nationally. In a very scary moment last night in the NFL game, we'll tell you what happened. I uh, got a lot going on here. It's the opening kickoff, the finale of 2023. Stay with us.
Hey, this is Buggins Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. Comments in the app at WNSP.com. A lot of the conversation going on that maybe Jalen Milrow missed, shouldn't have said what he said and taken the high road. You know, I think it's one of those deals where uh, I guess if you're, if you're Alabama's PR, maybe you, you, you don't make it about yourself. But, you know, we're critical of guys that give coach speak answers. That's what and I mean. We it's get like critical of guys that give honest answers. Um, I mean, at the end, does he just keep it about the team and, and say, I'm not worried about that kind of stuff? No. I, uh, I, I, was a I mean, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, would, would Jalen Hurts have answered that question any differently? I guess I don't, I mean, he might have. If you're asked know. a question. If like, if I asked you a question, did you want to be a broadcaster or let's say a, a producer <laughs> uh, or you should maybe move from being a, a, a talent on the air to maybe being behind the scenes? Oh, oh you like, know, they're both great roles. Yeah. You know, for, it, for me, you know, whatever, man, whatever management me. wants me to do, I'll yeah, do, I'm you great. know, people would criticize the coach speak answer. People are going to criticize of this course. answer. Everything, people always is, want everything is out there. It's open for criticism. I like the comment from the Michigan defensive coordinator who said in a press conference that uh, Jalen Milrow runs like Reggie Bush. The uh, Harbaugh said, you know, he's more a more polished version of the backup, the Michigan backup. Who is? Milrow. <laughs> I don't know. There's been some odd comments out there. Uh, what do you mean, the backup to the Michigan quarterback? Yeah, I forget his name off the top of my head. I think most of us have. But wouldn't it have been better had he said, you know what, he, he – uh, can't really hit the intermediate pass. I think he's young. I think we could confuse him. Uh, he certainly got some great talent. I mean, didn't didn't aren't they kind of given aren't they kind of given coach speak with those answers? Playing up the opponent? Wouldn't you rather them say why wouldn't you rather them show the or, or talk about Miller's I don't think this is bulletin board material. I just think he's he's answering from the hip on this. Who, he's Bill right. Rowe? Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. I have no problem with that. I didn't even think about that. It, you're asked a question, so speak speak your mind on it. That's not bulletin board. That's not going to wind up on the Michigan bulletin board. Uh, the other uh, – so a couple other things uh, about Alabama, Michigan. Alabama now, by the way, uh, not doing individual film study. Yeah, you know – I. I don't know, you know, technically speaking, you know, I'm right down at the bottom of the list here. So I guess I'm not in a position to speak, but I but I concur with those who have said nobody has accused Michigan of like stealing based on iPads or anything like that. It was all about Connor Stallions. So are they going the extra mile? Maybe. Are they a little too cautious? Red flags? Maybe. I don't know. I if I take this iPad home. And the game plan is there, and I got to study. Am I? Would I be worried about Michigan stealing from this iPad? They've got to have some sort of information that would indicate that Michigan has either done this before or has the ability to do it, right? It but it's never been brought up. It's never been accused or even charged. Now you guys are more into. Let me ask each of you: Is that is that possible that you think Michigan, if let's say Jalen Milrow took his his iPad home and studied it. Are you worried about Michigan 
stealing from that? Uh, there. I would assume that they're all connected to some sort of network on those iPads that have access to those. I can't imagine that they would have to download that film. Maybe they do. I don't know, Bronner. If so, then maybe I, I don't know. An iPad getting stolen. It's not shocking that they would do that. I similar to the uh, PR person. I can't. I can't imagine that they were <laughs> that they were super happy that they were like, yeah, yeah, we're we're not watching individual film on the iPad because you know Michigan's a bunch of cheaters. <laughs> I can't imagine that that Saban would have been happy that they said that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll talk a little high school basketball next. We'll get some Chick-fil-A for you in hour number one as well, and Ross Jackson on uh, the NFL back to back to back. So here we go, off and running on a what we consider our New Year's Eve edition of the opening kickoff. Stay with us. story of the night in the NBA, of course. Detroit losing. That's 28 in a row. Ties the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the Sixers did it over a two-year span. The uh, Pistons have done it all in, actually, even before the f- turn of the, uh, the, the the year. You know, they did it all in uh, 2023, and the last time they won was before Halloween. Okay, that'll put the NBA story to rest. We are going to talk high school basketball. Uh, Mark was out there watching some of the games uh, some of the uh, outside teams did very well yesterday. Most of them won. Uh, Chad Applin is on the line with us right now, the coach at Spanish Ford. Chad, good morning. How are you today? Happy New Year. I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you doing? Wonderful. Your first year with Spanish Ford. How did yesterday's game go as far as you're concerned? Um, well, we, we got off to a pretty decent start. Uh, we were playing, uh, you know, I thought we played pretty well for, for uh, fortunes of the game, and then we just made a lot of uh, self-inflicted injuries where we didn't make, um, you know, we, we kind of threw the ball away a lot, had some uh, turnovers that uh, we shouldn't have had. And, um, you know, got to give them credit. They put some pressure on us, and, and we didn't do a great job of, of handling it in spots. And we, we had a very, very poor shooting night. We had a lot of good looks that we just didn't convert on, uh, a lot of two-on-ones that we didn't convert on. And, uh, you know, uh, defensively, we played well, but um, you know you can only do so much defensively if you're not scoring the basketball. Gulf Coast Holiday Classic going on today and tomorrow. We'll finish up with the green and the red brackets. Uh, Spanish Fort lost its game to Chattanooga Central, 53-44. Uh, Chad, did you stick around to watch a lot of the games yesterday? Well, I had the. Uh, I actually drove the the, uh, the bus with the guys, and a couple of them had to get back across the bay, so. Um, I'm going to try to do uh, this afternoon. I'm going to try to catch some more games. 
You're playing Sarah Land. Of course, that conjures up memories over the years. Sarah Land versus Spanish Ford is the rivalry is intense in basketball. Well, of course, you've only been there for less than a year, so maybe you're not the right guy to to ask. But uh, certainly, you know, the football rivalry is right up there among the best. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens with basketball. You want to talk about today's game? Sure. Uh, no, I I've, uh, I think the uh, I learned pretty early on uh, about you know the the, uh, the the rivalry so to speak with the fans and and how important it is to to people in Spanish sport. Um, so uh, you know the main thing is we, we're trying to get ourselves prepared for area play. So this is just another opportunity for us. Um, you know, Drew does an excellent job. He's a great coach. Sarah uh, Land is you know kind of similar to us this year in terms of, um, you know, they're, they're kind of building. It's his first year as well. Um, so, they, you know, they're hungry for a win. I think he's going to be a very tough opponent today. I know that they're going to come out and play extremely hard. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to do the same. We're going to have to match their intensity and just, just uh, you know, do a little better job of taking care of the ball today. And hopefully we'll shoot the ball a little bit better. You know, Chad, it's such a, a, a delicate balancing act. You don't, you don't, you don't necessarily want to get beat, but you don't want to win all your games this time of year either. You want your guys to get pushed. You want them to learn because, as you pointed out, it's really about it's all about the area. I think if you ask the coaches, you, you'd rather go like winless up until this point if that guaranteed you'd win the area in advance, right? So, what's that balancing act like? You want them to have a little confidence with some wins, but you don't want them rolling over, steamrolling opponents either. I, I, I wouldn't mind winning them all right now, but <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the same time, I, I, I totally understand. That's why we uh, we, we schedule, uh, or I, I can schedule games that are going to test our guys early in the season. Um, you know, when you're making a schedule out, um, you know, you can go one or two ways with it. You can make a schedule where you're, you're pretty guaranteed to win a lot of games, or you can make a schedule that's really going to put your guys to a test. And I would rather do that to your point, Mark. Um, I would rather schedule games that are going to test our guys because you really need to find out what your deficiencies are and what your team is like before you get into those pressurized moments. Um, so hopefully you can correct some stuff before you get there and you start playing the games that really matter, which are the area games, like you said. So you're absolutely right. Um, but... I'm never going to say I don't want to steamroll people and win every game right. either. I, I, I enjoy getting Ws. Chad, let me ask you this. I, I don't have the brackets in front of me, the green side, the, the red side. Faith is involved in this. Is there a chance you could face them? But if you don't, will you be facing your former school at all this year? No. Uh, Faith is on the – they're on the other side of the bracket. Um, now, they lost yesterday as well. Uh, they played – uh, before us, so I'm not 100% sure in the loser side of the bracket for each thing. I think they're still separated, so I don't yeah. think that there's a chance that we would meet up, and um, we did not play them this year, but maybe sometime down the road, I think it would be a lot of fun to um, you know, go back and, and, and play safe. I think they've got, a, they've got a lot of really good young players coming up, um, and I, it was good to see the guys yesterday. I actually saw them um, as they were walking through the, the lobby there and saw uh, my old assistant coach as well. So it's always nice to be able to, you know, rekindle those, uh, those, those relationships and just kind of sit there and talk to them for a little bit. So, um, 
they're, they're doing well, and I'm, I'm happy for them, and I'm, I'm, I'm always going to pull for for Faith and, and Coach Willie and everybody over there. Is your roster intact now? And by that I mean the football players are obviously back, but are they in, in basketball mold now that you feel really good about moving forward, or does it take a while for some of the best uh, the football players to get back in the groove? Well, to be honest with you, when they first came back out, uh, we really it gave us a huge lift. Um, you know, we started the season off a little bit slow. We were one in five to start the season. And then um, when they came back, we won seven out of our next eight games. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of an immediate impact type of thing. Um, you know, so it does take a while, uh, but just their athleticism and, um, you know, the, we, we were coaching some games and we just needed a little more depth and we and uh, they kind of provided that right out of the gate. So, um yeah, but we're still feeling our way through things where we've got uh, different rotations that we're, we're trying to find out and putting people in different spots. We, as soon as the football guys came back out, our, our best player that was not a football player, one of our best players, got mono, so he was out for two weeks. So, we're, you know, we're, we're still getting there, but it's no excuses. We're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the rest of the season. It's, it's, this is when uh, basketball starts to get very interesting, so... Um, you know, hopefully we're, we're preparing ourselves for this stretch run. Coach, thanks for jumping aboard with us, man. We really do appreciate it. You guys can follow uh, Coach Applin's Spanish 4 team on social media there on X at SF Toro Hoops. Good luck today, man. We'll hope to see you today. Hey, thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. Yep. Uh, that's Chad Applin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the uh, Gulf Coast Holiday Classic continues today. It's $15 a day at the door uh, right there at Spring Hill College. It's really become the uh, premier basketball event of the holidays, at least in this area. And local teams taking it on chin a little bit here. Yeah, every, every local team lost to a outsider except Mary Jean Montgomery beating Booker T. Washington. Yeah. Who do you, who does McGill face today? Uh, you know? Booker T. Yeah, good luck. We've seen them a little bit uh, in the summer at some uh, team camp stuff. They're they're actually really good. Uh, MGM Rose got it going on over at MGM. It's early, uh, and look, this I, uh, last year I, the local teams actually took it to the uh, to the uh, visiting teams because it was two local teams that were playing for the championship, uh, and I think three of the four in the semifinals were locals too. So a little different. Coach Rob bringing in some uh, some heavy hitters. So if you like high school basketball, I encourage you to go out there and watch some of it. It's good stuff. Uh, we can get back to the Alabama-Michigan stuff, of course. Really, uh, got to ask though, which sponsorship wins the wins the end of the year here? Is it is it Duke's Mayo? Is it Pop Tart? Is I'm it Wingstop over in Detroit? I'm I mean, there's three heavy. There's three pretty big ones right I'm there. I'm still giving Mayo only because the coach gets doused with that stuff, and with the other one, uh, it's a tasty treat. The Pop Tarts. Yeah, but it was a full. I mean, it was. It's light. not Pop Tart, man. They put a they put an, a a mascot in a toaster and the in a in an edible version of it came out. I was I was so lied to. Why? I thought the walking around mascot was gonna get eaten. That's how they framed it, <laughs> and then it's just wait, like wait, a, wait, wait. a custom so, cake that so, pops out. So what? Will you think we were gonna have cannibalism? Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, you you can't be serious. They said edible mascot. 
They did say poor, poor use of words. Yeah, well, maybe mascot might, might yeah. not have been. If the they had said months ago, or whenever it was, after the Pop Tart Bowl, the winning team's going to eat a big Pop Tart, I would have said, ah, well, that's pretty cool. Okay. You might say, how big is it? Yeah, I might right. say, how big is the Pop Tart? And then the Pop Tart pops out, and I said, oh, well, that's a pretty big Pop Tart. What flavor? But was they it? said, edible mascot. Strawberry? Stra- strawberry? Strawberry. Strawberry. Yeah. Would you have ta- tasted it, Michael? Would you? Oh, yeah, I like Pop Tarts. It looked. It looked uh, it good. L- it looked really good. It actually. looked good. I'm not <laughs> denying any of that. I just feel a little bit deceived when they say you know, edible it, mascot. Is it just the winning team that gets the bite, or yeah. does the losing team yeah, also? No. No. no, losers don't get a bite. No, losers don't get the pop tart. No, in fact, at the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they probably should have given the losers mustard or something. No. I watched the end of it just to find out, and then they they flipped to the Oklahoma see, game saying, right it, away. It I had worked. to see it on as Twitter. As much as you didn't like it. It worked. Well, not really. They didn't even show it, so I had to see it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think Pop-Tart gets a, an edge. Now, I think Mayo gets the nod because they're so well-established. Like, they started it, right? They kind of started it. I do think Pop-Tart built upon what Mayo started and maybe took it to the next now level. Now, that coach, the winning coach, Kansas State, he did get his Gatorade bath. They It took a while. That I was watching in real time. They had to find him, the players, yep. and they finally doused him with the uh, Gatorade. Then they went to the the celebration of the Pop Tart. Yeah. Well, uh, I I do believe. So to your point, Bronner, you would have liked to have seen a guy running around in it in a costume that was indeed edible. Yes, that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But you weren't asking for the for them to bite this guy, were you? That's that's. What I thought Come was going to happen. Michael, you weren't really thinking that, were you? They said they were going to chew mascot. on this guy. I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought maybe a section of the suit was edible. Hmm. And they were all going to take a bite out of him. That's what I was hoping for. Maybe next year. Maybe next there's year. some there's some, you know, corporate sponsor out there of some culinary delight now thinking how do we up the pop tart yeah, game? Wasn't this game last year the cheese it? I don't know if the Cheez-It Bowl switched to the Pop-Tart I Bowl. I think it did. The Cheez-It Bowl doesn't exist anymore, right. though, which is I thought there was tragic. a changeover. It's tough to keep track of 42 bowl games and the sponsors. So, like, if you're Wheaties back... No, what was it? The Weed Eater Bowl. Wasn't it the Weed Eater way back oh, when? Oh, I will never forget that name. I used to love that name. The Independence Bowl in Shreveport was the Weed Eater Bowl. Yeah. That was one of my favorites. That was a bowl game, Michael. You might... Uh, well, you wouldn't remember this, but when I was broadcasting Rutgers football. I remember. <laughs> I grew up listening to Shervanian in yes, my car yeah, every sure Saturday. Did. I'm sure you did. So Rutgers finished undefeated in 1976, it was, right? They were invited to the Independence Bowl. It was not the Weed Eater Bowl at that time. And they rejected the – they never went. They said, heck with it. Nope, we're not going. Well, that the, I guess the reason I bring that up is because the Weed Eater Bowl, uh, the it, the reverse happened. Like, it didn't get a lot of posit- positive vibes for the name. In fact, it was uh, – they, they endured taunts for years, and they were called the Weed Whacker Bowl, which I guess is just a slap in the face to weed eaters everywhere. But just, a, just an example of how things don't always go the way you had hoped – uh, when you when you when you sponsor a bowl, so I don't know. There's some I'm sure pastry out there that's thinking about how can we up the uh, the, the pop tart bowl uh, and show them up. So we'll see next year. You never know. Uh, when we come back, 
your chance at your daily dose of fried deliciousness. And uh, I keep saying it, we need to get to this NFL story. Uh, really scary moment last night, uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, if you didn't see it, it's all over Twitter or whatever. Um, it uh, it, it kind of had a DeMar Hamlin feel to it, and it was just your run-of-the-mill play. Crazy stuff. Of course, we'll get back to the Alabama-Michigan thing stuff as well, the Jalen Milrow, Bill O'Brien stuff. We'll debate that. All that good stuff. It's a Friday edition right here on the Sports Station. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. The final. The final. Daily dose of fried deliciousness of 2023. I'm assuming we will continue into the new year. Don't give me hope. Yes, we will. Woohoo! We will continue. Yeah, boy. All right, here's the question. Think about this. Name the Rose Bowl participant who won a Heisman Trophy and then played in the NFL for a number of years who had a cousin who was an Oscar-winning actor in a very well-known movie. So this guy, and it's not a nebulous guy, this guy was very well-known. He played in the Rose Bowl. What did his neighbor do? <laughs> We're looking into that. We're Googling that. And he was actually named to the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. He won a Heisman. And he also was related to a very famous actor, well, I say famous, yeah. We, Mark knows him. <laughs> I knew him after you told me. I never would have guessed it. Right, I know. So if you know the answer, and if we don't get it first time, I'll give some hints. You'll be giving some hints. Okay. I had a guy call yesterday who said he won a week ago, but he wanted to give it to me. I forgot to mention that to you. Yeah, look, um, I take care of these guys, okay? You don't. They're not starving. They're not by the roadside. They don't have signs on their neck. I'm just saying, like, there's a pending Chick-fil-A card. I, I take care of Someone's Michael not gonna pick it up when he's pretty good in the morning show. You know, I, I reward him. Um, Mark is taking care of now and then. He actually told me not to tell you and just, just I'm, I'm getting kind of I'm getting kind of tired of that though because Nick does that all the time. I I mean I've never once made it up. I know Nick is like every Nick might be making it up every day that he's on the show. It's yeah, let's give it to Nick. It's not every day with me, and I've never made it up. Um, so anyway, you know, I ha and caller who said that I'm sorry that I broke telling Lee, but unfortunately Lee's the the keeper see, of the goods. You see, you're kind of like Jalen Milrow, man. Why why don't you just why don't you just give us the coach speak in the high road and, and talk about what a great opportunity this is for our listeners to 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 earn themselves some Chick Fil A. By the way, Instead, no one you're is out here yet. making it about you, Jalen Milrow. Why don't you just throw Bill O'Brien <laughs> under the bus? You know that Lee hasn't been done lately, has it? Lee Shervanian wanted me to switch positions. <laughs> he wanted me to switch. No, fast I don't. Food no, restaurants. I don't. No, because if uh, <laughs> if if we switch positions, I can't run the board. Yeah, the only good news is the only person he likes less than you is Nick. So yeah. congratulations on that. Lee secretly secretly is a big fan of mine. He I, is. I know it. Anybody from the Garden State. <laughs> so anyway, who was the guy? He was a running back. 
Rose Bowl, Hall of Fame in the Rose Bowl, won a Heisman. All right, here it is, the big hint. Scored the game-winning touchdown in what they consider the greatest game ever played in the NFL in an overtime playoff game, and who is related to an actor who won an Oscar. Now, how much more do I need to tell you? Give, give us a decade, because I think that's going to tell people just exactly the 50s? how— 50s? Yeah, okay. Anything else you need? <laughs> want the team? You and might want, the phone just okay. went dead. On page, on page five Ooh. of his life, <laughs> all right, he played for Wisconsin. Does that help? Not even a little bit. Did Ron Dane have a grandfather that played who maybe— Ron Dane, what The a name, name is an alliteration. Yeah. Ron Dane. I, I've never guy. heard of this person. Never? <laughs> I've no. never heard of this person. I heard of the actor, but again. Who's the actor? Say the actor's name. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I can give you the the uh Mark, no one's the called. First name. All right, give the give the actor's name, Mark. The 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 whole name? Why not? Who cares? Uh apparently not many people because they're not calling uh Don Amici. Uh, he was in. Do you do you even know who that is? No. Okay, Don Amici. Did you ever see Trading Places? He was in Trading Places, which he did not see. Oh, he didn't. That's a, okay. He was in Cocoon, uh, and as Lee found out today, little cameo in Coming to America. Did not know that. Mortimer, we're back. Um, that doesn't help you with the answer because nobody knows who the hell his cousin is. <laughs> So everybody out there, like, Googling Don Amici's family tree now. Johnny Unitas used to hand off to this guy. The guy was an NFL star for six years. He scored the game-winning touchdown against the Giants in it 1958. Was, it was 65 years Who ago. doesn't know this? You're right. Who doesn't? Don Amici's cousin. <laughs> he, we, unfortunately, well, maybe at this point we'll just accept the answer, Mr. Amici. <laughs> Do you think somebody's clever enough to call up and say that? I don't know. Let's take this one on the air. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, go ahead, caller. Let's go. What do you have for us? Mark, this is Ron. All down south. It is Jim Brown. No, no, no. No, it is not. No, please, no. No. I think I think this will be the last Chick-fil-A for the ever. Ever. Ever, <laughs> forever. How can Jim Brown be related to Todd Amici? Someone in the app. I'm glad. I'm glad we took that on the air. Thank you, uh, Michael. You just lost your Chick Fil A. That's for the fine. Day. It was worth the, uh, it. <laughs> in the app, the answer is who is Moses? Yeah, <laughs> not exactly. Uh, by the way, thank you, Ron. Balling down south. By the way, uh, airing streaming the uh, Gulf Coast Holiday Classic. By the way, so uh, if you're interested, you can go to their website, check that out. Uh, it looks like so. What happens? So you're just going to hang on to this uh, this this I'm gift keep, card for I'm, the new year? I'm keeping it. All right. Yeah. By the way, it probably expires at the end. Since of this nobody year wants anyway. to call in, or maybe <laughs> maybe people are not getting up this morning and and listening. Maybe I'll come back and ask it later on, and we'll see what happens. Oh, good. So what happened to Elijah Moore yesterday? Or you could just let it go. I could. Yeah. You want to let it go? Uh, What's the okay. verdict? What do you guys? You want to let it go? Yeah. All right. The answer is Alan Amici. Alan Amici. Good old Al. A.A. You know what his nickname was? The Horse. The Horse. Because he was a rock'em, sock'em fullback in those days when they <laughs> used the fullback. Thro the throw that in the uh, in a trivia later on. Who, was what was ball. Alan Amici's nickname? It the Horse. The, it was the uh, Rose Bowl uh, trivia. And you said 1965? 
56? What no. is it? I mean, it's he all played in me. the Rose Bowl in 1954. Oh, my goodness. He scored the game-winning touchdown in 58 against the Giants and what is still considered, not by me, but by many, there was a book written about it, the greatest NFL game ever. What was the copyright on that book? 1972? 54? Well, it's good we spent a whole segment on that. 70 years ago. My dad texted me like five minutes ago. He got the answer. Should we give it to him? Well, uh, you're going to mail it. I'll give it to you. To, you want to mail it to him? I'm, that's fine. Yeah, if you're going to. Yeah, yeah. Clever. Give it to me. I'll mail Clever, it. Michael, <laughs> yeah. He got what he wanted anyway. Give it to me. I'll mail well it. Well done. All right. Here comes our number two, Ross Jackson on the NFL. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. 703, hour number two here on the... Our, it's our New Year's Eve, right? We should have a little champagne. We should have a big ball falling. Maybe it's a Pop-Tart. We have a Pop-Tart. We need something. We should be so celebrating. So you'd like to have maybe the Pop-Tart and dip it into your champagne? Sure. Go ahead. I'd say Moon Pie, but we've kind of already done that around here. It's not, it's, not, it's not a novel idea. We got a Moon Pie drop. We should be dropping something. Dropping Chick-fil-A cards. Something, Lee. We just didn't do it. We didn't, we didn't plan this out. Not a very poor planning show, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh it's never poor planning to have Ross Jackson on to talk NFL with us. He is with uh, Saints Podcast, but he covers the entire NFL. And Ross, Happy New Year. Good morning. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Good morning. Let's I love start. the idea of uh, some Pop-Tart and champagne action going on. I can't see anything wrong with that. Well, you know, you, if it were you doing it from your place, my guess is we'd drop some beignets or something, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I'm, I'm not mad about Pop-Tarts. I don't think I've ever been mad about a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Good call. Ross, uh, the Browns win yesterday. As I said, the quarterback flavor of the week is Joe Flacco. It used to be Tommy DeVito. <laughs> He's done. So now you got Flacco, four wins and five starts. They they brought him out of mothballs. I guess he'd been sitting on his couch. How far does he take this team? And if he take, he's already taken him to the postseason. If they go far, does this change the narration on his career? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, if, if he ends up taking them pretty far, I, I definitely think that it kind of reengages the, you know, the old um, is Joe Flacco an elite quarterback conversation. I mean, him coming back at this point in his career and doing what he's doing, and not only doing it, but kind of doing it convincingly, right? Three touchdowns over 300 yards last night against the Jets, all that. Um, you know, granted, he was going up against a, a, a Trevor Simeon-led New York Jets team, but that New York Jets team has been fantastic over on the defensive side uh, of the football. And so, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's remarkable, um, you know, thanks to his play and really thanks to the coaching job that they've done over there in Cleveland as well. Four different starting quarterbacks. That's usually not a team that makes the playoffs. You know, here they are making the playoffs for the second time in four years. It's pretty incredible. So, yeah, I do think that even at this point, there's something to kind of re-engage around the conversation when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, Joe Flacco. All right. What about Russell Wilson? Where do you think he winds up? Yeah, that's a, that's tough. I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there because there's a lot of teams that are looking for 
quarterbacks. I mean, remember back when they were back when the conversations were going on about him potentially being out in Seattle. One of the big, big, big teams that he was constantly linked to, and and more appropriately, he and his wife Sierra were linked to, uh, was the new were the New York Giants because of the idea of being in New York. All of a sudden. There's some potential there. I mean, the, the, the Giants would have to eat a lot when it comes to Daniel Jones' contract and everything. But, I mean, I think that we kind of figure out, have figured out already who Daniel Jones is. Uh, there's conversation already about whether or not it should be Daniel Jones or Tommy DeVito going into next year. Is there potential for you know Russell Wilson to kind of end up engaging in that conversation? It seems likely that he's going to be released and then be free to sign with another team as opposed to the trade scenario that was taking place with Seattle. So it does kind of open up his options um, quite a bit. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, what teams are really going to be looking for quarterbacks? And, and could a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who foolishly didn't get in the running for uh, Lamar Jackson when there was sort of conversation about where he might end up and kind of publicly came out and said that they wouldn't be a part of that conversation, would they now be a part of the conversation for uh, Russell Wilson because the sort of Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke experiment that's going on in Atlanta isn't necessarily working out, I think it's safe to say, it's fair to say. Uh, and, you know, regardless of what you've seen from Russell Wilson over the course of the past two years, he'd certainly be an improvement over most of the quarterbacks in the NFC South. So does Atlanta, who would again be in a winnable division next season, uh, maybe take a big swing at a guy like Russ? So let's let's take a step back now that we're talking about Russ and we started with Cleveland and let's let's say hypothetically this Joe Flacco thing tends to work out. Do, are we having similar conversations about Deshaun Watson and, and his contract? The the thing that makes Deshaun Watson so challenging is that his contract is and you know it's about foolish. Yeah, Cleveland Browns fully guaranteed, uh -huh. entirely guaranteed, over $200 million of guaranteed money there. So that would be a huge, huge hit for them to do. Not impossible to deal with. And look, you can always go to the player and work to facilitate you know, a renegotiation of their contract that would make it easier to move on from a player and things like that. Especially if that player is interested in embarking upon a new future as well. You know, if somebody demands a trade or something like that, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So you can work with that player to redo their deal to make it easier to be able to move on from them. So I wouldn't say, you know, we'll never say never when it comes to the NFL, certainly when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, considering the things that they've, the decisions they've made in the, in the you know, very recent past. Uh, but I guess that there's a chance that, yeah, we could be having that conversation uh, about Deshaun Watson. But I think that that's a decision that Cleveland would have to make based on how they feel about Deshaun Watson rather how, rather than uh, or as opposed to how they feel about some other quarterback in their room. Ross Jackson, Saints podcast. OK, Saints at Tampa season. Does it come down to this and how do things look, in your opinion, for the Saints beating Tampa? Yeah, not great. Um, <laughs> I think that it's not great, right? Let's be honest. Um, I I think Tampa's a really, really good team. They're a healthier team right now. They're still dealing with, like, Shaq Davis has been, excuse, excuse me, Shaq Barrett has been out of practice. Uh, Carlton Davis has been out of practice. So, like, they're still missing, like, some names, but they were very, very injured um, last time that these two teams met, and Tampa got what I think was the most decisive victory over the New Orleans Saints all season um, in that win. Sometimes having to do with, you, know, you look at the Detroit game, which looked like it was headed that way. You look at the Los Angeles game, which looked like it was headed that way, but the Saints kind of fighting back late. They, there was no late fight from the New Orleans Saints in, in, you know, against Tampa last year. And now they're traveling to Tampa, where, look, things get weird at Raymond James Stadium between these two teams. I think we've, we've seen that over and over again, blown leads, stuff like that. Big comebacks, however it is that you want to look at it. Uh, but 
for me, I mean, this is a win-and-you're-in situation for Tampa. This is a lose-and-you-might-be-there situation or a win-and-you-might-be-there situation for New Orleans. I don't think that this really kind of measures out great uh, for the Saints, but, you know, we'll see. Look, anything can happen, and uh, certainly, like, this New Orleans Saints team is pretty, pretty, uh, you know, set on winning out and trying to make a positive statement about themselves by the end of the year. So if they beat Tampa, and I think next week it's Atlanta, right? Correct. So if they beat those two teams, do they get in, or do they still have to wait and see what happens with Tampa? They'd still have to wait and see what happens with Tampa. So they would have to win out, and then they would need Tampa to lose to the Carolina Panthers, which Ouch. feels <laughs> unlikely, right, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Now, now, if they beat Tampa, it also keeps their wild card path um, away uh, open, but then they need the Rams to lose two games they need, or, or Seattle to lose two games. Need a little bit of help from the Bears against the Packers. Need a little bit of help with you know teams that are playing against like the Vikings, for instance, and stuff like that. So it, you know, and there's a different scenario if you know the Seahawks lose this week, or if the Rams lose this week, or if both the Seahawks and Rams lose this week, then obviously things stay a little bit more open. Uh, but if they both win, then they they pretty much still be done. So, but there could be a way to the wild card pass, but. They would have to beat Tampa. They would have to beat Atlanta, and then they would need a lot of stuff to happen around them as well. Last Monday night, 49ers-Ravens was the game of the weekend. What about this weekend? What's the top game? I think for me the game that I'm most looking forward to to watching for this one is is getting an idea of sort of this AFC playoff race, right, And which has been so fun to watch so far. So early on in the slate this weekend is Miami uh, at, at Baltimore. I believe it's at Baltimore. Um, and for me, that that's probably the game of the week uh, for this one. I also really am interested to see what happens with the Houston Texans, but really that comes down to a pair of games. The Texans take on the Titans, uh, uh, the Titans in, in an AFC South matchup, and then the Colts will take on the um, – the Raiders, who have been surprisingly good under Antonio Pierce, so that could maybe shuffle up a little bit the AFC playoff race as well. But I think right now, after you saw that Baltimore Ravens team have such a, I would say, decisive victory against the San Francisco 49ers, as decisive as you can have against one of the best football teams in the NFL, uh, seeing them now go up against their, their biggest AFC competition, uh, outside of maybe a surging Buffalo Bills team, uh, them going up against the uh, Miami Dolphins is the game I'm really, really looking forward to. Do you think Lamar Jackson has MVP all wrapped up? I don't know about all wrapped up. Uh, I don't think anybody has MVP all wrapped up right now, but I would say that Lamar Jackson's back in the driver's seat. And and, and the thing that's good about for, for Lamar is that he's been in the driver's seat of this conversation at least twice this year, at least twice. And so – that that ends up having a big impact, but this is such a tight MVP race that really it's going to change week by week. Last week we saw Brock Purdy going into week 16 being kind of the favorite. Brock Purdy loses to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson immediately takes that crown, right? So he's going in as the as the top guy, and then now he's going up against a, a Miami Dolphins team that had two MVP conversation folks early on in the season. To a tongue of Iowa, as well as, of course, Tyreek Hill. So, is there a chance for one of those guys now to maybe take the crown if there's a decisive victory over Baltimore? This really is more of a week to week conversation than we're accustomed to at this point in the season. Uh, I need to mention uh, we keep saying we're going to talk about it. we never did, but Elijah Moore last night, very scary. Um, 
very scary mm-hmm. moment there. It, you know, Demar Hamlin, I think, was a, a name that kept popping up when you saw it. And as as usual, I shouldn't say as usual, but as we've seen before, it was just another r- routine hit. Uh, but that yeah. was a, that was a really scary moment. I mean, it it was. I I, I guess I'm, I I throw it out there just to kind of get a reaction, and it, it appears he's okay. Uh, but um, man, I, I think most people thought the absolute worst there. Yeah, I mean that's scary, especially like the the Demar Hamlin one was was so unexpected because you know you saw the hit, you saw him get up, and then you saw him go back down to the ground. Uh, this Elijah Moore one, like I mean, he he caught his head pretty hard on, on the yeah. turf, and and look, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of you know my my personal story is that like I you know I, I had brain surgery to remove a brain tumor when I was 15 years old. And, you know, I've been dealing, I've had epilepsy and sort of navigated epilepsy throughout my entire life after that. And a big concern around that is when am I going to feel if I fall and hit my head or something like that? How does that have a trigger? It's one of the reasons why I had to to get out of sports and stuff like that. And so every day it's sort of connected to these like head injuries and stuff like that. I'm usually really kind of sensitive to. And this is another another example of that. Not that I don't mind talking about it, but, you know, like it kind of makes you go like, oh, gosh, you know, my two big things are like back injuries and head injuries. Those are the two ones that I go, keep them out, leave them out. Doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care who it is. Like just keep them off the field for a little bit. Um, and, and also, I, I would be surprised if we saw Elijah Moore again by the end of the season or, or through the end of the year. Maybe they kind of get him back in for the playoffs or something like that. But there's certainly something something to inspect there uh, in terms of what could be, you know, uh, impacts from something like that to where, like, you fall to the ground, you hit your head, you, you convulse, all these other things. Um, that could be something that has that you see more symptoms of right away. That could be something you see more symptoms of in a week. That could be something you see more symptoms of in a month. Like that's it's just one of those things that's such a scary, like moving target when it comes to head injuries and all. And so like, you know, all that to say like, yeah, it was a very scary thing. Very happy to hear that. Like he's doing, he's doing better. I mean, you know, there's stories that I've been tracking it all week, but, but a very, very scary moment. And um, I don't think that it's, it's that we're seeing, I don't think that like the thing is that we're seeing more of this kind of stuff or anything like that. I just think that we're actually seeing it for a yeah. change, and uh, and that's a that's a scary situation to be in. Um, and so I'm glad he's glad he's okay and hope that he gets to you know make it back out on the football field eventually. But uh, a lot to sort of process and figure out in terms of you know going from hitting your head to you know that kind of like a bodily response. But there's a lot to a lot of gaps to fill there. So I, I hope he gets those filled. Ross, great stuff. I got to ask you before we leave. Uh, in 2024, yeah. is uh, is Derek Carr the quarterback for the Saints, or let me rephrase, the starting quarterback for the Saints? And it, does he have his same head coach? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's going to be a second year of Dennis Allen and 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 Derek Carr. I'll try to be quick on this, but there is a little bit of context that I like to provide there. I, I think part of the reason why is that like for Dennis Allen, he came in as a new Orleans Saints quarterback in 2022, didn't have his quarterback, right? They went after Deshaun Watson, didn't get Deshaun Watson. Turns out that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, They end up not, you know, having another quarterback to go to. They fall back to Jameis. They re-sign Jameis, all this other stuff. And until last year, he didn't have his quarterback. This is really the first year that the head coach had his pick at quarterback. And, and, the custom around the NFL is usually that, that guy gets two years with their quarterback. And so I think logically what that would mean is that unless these last two games end up embarrassing losses, that there's a very good chance we see Dennis Allen and Derek Carr back in the black and gold as a second year with one another and maybe just some revisions over the offensive coaching staff. As always, man, I can't thank you enough for all you did for us in 2023. Looking forward to more of it in 24. How can people continue to follow your coverage of all things National Football League? 
Oh, real pleasure, guys. It's been such a fun year, and I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to more. Uh, if you're looking for more coverage on the New Orleans Saints, you can find that over at uh, the Locked On Saints podcast. More NFL coverage over on Locked On NFL. Just search those phrases, and you'll find a vine on YouTube wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all the written work on the Saints as well over at Saints News Network and Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the team. You can find it all in one place on your favorite social media as well at Ross Jackson, NOLA, NOLA. Hey, man, have a great uh, New Year to you and your family. Enjoy the beignets. Or the Pop-Tarts, Thanks, as it were. Guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. <laughs> yep. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, Alec Naiman is next. We'll talk some Auburn with Matt Cohen coming up at 730. Glenn Gilbo on Texas and Washington. And Nick Saban's future. And at 830, Mike Rodak, Alabama-Michigan preview. Our, essentially our New Year's Eve here on December 29th. It's our final show of the year. We appreciate you hanging with us on this Friday. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSD. Seven twenty-five here on a Friday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. Alec Naiman joins us now from Naiman's Catering. Happy New Year, Alec, and uh, welcome to the show. I will start out by asking you: If people call today, can they still get something in for New Year's Eve? That's a good question, and the answer is yes. Wow! I've already checked with headquarters, and they said we can take some more orders. <laughs> Yeah, man, happy New Year to you guys. It should be a good weekend. Um, got some great football and all that kind of stuff going on. So we've got our football tailgate packages, of course, up online at namenscatering.com. We're trying to load the freezer with some casseroles and some gumbo and stuff like that. So we'll have that all ready to go. And, uh, man, I, I just know that uh, – if you better call today. Today's important if you want to pick up tomorrow because uh, we're going to probably close on Sunday and Monday and let the staff have a little rest because we just about killed them this holiday season. And all we can show our appreciation by giving them a couple of days off. How about that? You know, they think that's a treat. That's a bonus, you know. Okay, let me, but, and Alec, hey, Alec, let me ask you, if you're going to close, are you still going to keep the uh, hot bar open at uh, Piggly Wiggly? No, yeah, we're going to Piggly. We're going to be open all the way through New Year's Day, and we'll have a hot bar out. We're certainly putting out a lot of stuff that you'll maybe want to swing by and pick up. And uh, so you, just come see us and uh, call us at 473-3900 for any of your catering needs. And look us up on the web at namenscatering.com. And follow us on Facebook because we like that kind of stuff. And, yes, I'll be out at the pig uh, this weekend. So come on down and see me. Hey, uh, Alec, we appreciate everything you've done for us in 23. Looking forward to another year uh, hanging with you. And, uh, man, that uh, that order I picked up this week, mwah, perfection. Did you like those shrimp and grits? Still working on them, but, yes, man, every day is a happy day at the Heim House. I can assure you of that. And those and those <laughs> brown, those brownies are fire, by the way. <laughs> I put my special touch on them brownies, don't you worry. <laughs> Oh, no, I think now I am worried, but, uh, yeah, no, everything was great, man. We really do appreciate it. Great stuff. Hey, y'all have a great New Year's. God bless you, and go Jazz. Yeah, thank you, Alec. We really do appreciate it. That's Alec Naiman, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I highly encourage you to uh, grab you some goodies for the New Year. Uh, we got a, we got a refrigerator 
full of Alec Naiman. Uh, and he's delightful. That's yes. great. Hey, we talked NFL. We, uh, NSP's carrying three NFL games as we got the Detroit-Dallas game tomorrow night. Saints Sunday, the typical noontime game. And then at night, Green Bay and Minnesota. But our real coverage, I say I wrote, the college coverage on Monday, the uh, Alabama game against Michigan on both stations, uh, NSP, starts at 1, as it does on WZEW. We've got our pre-pre-game show starting 11 a.m. on WNSP prior to the Alabama-Michigan game, uh, where you can hear all of us uh, giving us our, our thoughts on the game. So... Even though we're off until next Tuesday, and we'll be back with a bang on Tuesday to talk nothing but college football playoffs. Uh, we got a lot of programming coming up. All right, so coming up next, we're going to talk to uh, Matt Cohen, my colleague over at uh, AL.com. He covers Auburn. The Tigers take the field long before Alabama does. But to your point, the WNSP pre-game playoff preview show. Try saying that three times real fast. On January 1, the whole cast of characters, well, most of us, will be on the air. It's going to be a good one. All right, stay with us. Plenty left. our final show of 2023 want to thank all of you for uh making what we do possible every day throughout the year and of course we'll be back and better well we'll be back in 2024 so uh we'll continue to talk a lot of college football here so uh don't let me get in the way of progress yeah and what a show to to begin the new year's uh january 2nd talking about alabama michigan and texas washington for the most part but right now we're going to talk auburn they're in the music city bowl they're in nashville getting ready to take on maryland and matt cohen covers auburn for al.com matt welcome to the show good morning how are you today i'm good thank you guys for having me well let's start out first of all with the no-shows. Now, I know the Maryland quarterback, uh, Tonga Viola, he's not going to play, right? Are there any? And, and Auburn's kind of looks like they're depleted in the defensive backfield. Can you kind of bring us up to date? Yeah, so you got the, a couple significant opt-outs on both sides of this one. So on the Maryland side, the quarterback obviously is the big one. So so it's Talia Tagovailoa, a last name you guys probably recognize um, from, from his older brother, Tua. He's the Big Ten's all-time leading passer by this point after he transferred from Alabama to Maryland. Um, and he's not going to play. He's, he's opting out looking at the, at the NFL draft. I stopped by Maryland's practice yesterday, and it looks like they're going to run with a redshirt sophomore named Billy Edwards, who I believe has completed like 34 passes in his college career, which actually makes him the most experienced player who's eligible <laughs> on Maryland's roster. Uh, they have an NC State transfer named MJ Morris, who has played more than him, but MJ just simply by virtue of he transferred two weeks ago, was not actually allowed to play for, for Maryland. He's, he's in Nashville. He just is not allowed to play in the game. That's kind of Maryland's picture quarterback-wise. It's a bit of a mess, but it's also an interesting way to get an early look at their quarterback competition for next season. On Auburn's side, you got basically the entire secondary that's been so crucial to this team. Those cornerbacks, uh, Nehemiah 
Pritchett, as well as DJ James, have both opted out. Marcus Harris, who's been arguably Auburn's best defensive player this season on the defensive line, has opted out. So in kind of the same vein as Maryland's getting a look at, at its quarterback competition, Auburn's going to get this chance to look at, you know, to test out some of its new defensive players and competitions for some of these spots that are going to suddenly be, you know, much bigger step-ups in terms of responsibility. The You're going to get that test against the Maryland offense that may be a little bit, you know, questionable, I guess, because you don't know what they're going to look like. So it's, it's an interest. it's a, I don't know if easing in would be the right word to use because obviously this is still a you know a Big Ten football team um, that you're facing, but it's it's a good experience to get a lot of these young guys um, some 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 play time they haven't they have not previously had, and I think that's been one of the biggest focuses of some of these bowl practices. How important is this game for Auburn? And and by that you know listening to Hugh Freeze at his press conferences, has he placed any emphasis that we have to win this game? I think. You know, this for Auburn, for the players that have been here for more than one year, maybe has a little bit more value than it does for Hugh Freeze because Auburn hasn't had a winning. Like, if Auburn loses this game, I believe it's its third straight, I mean, second straight or third straight losing season. So Auburn just has to turn that around. If you win this game, you're seven and six. It's a winning year in the first year of a new head coach. I think that's a big step forward. And I think that matters, even, and I realize seven and six is not some like record you're going to write home about, but it's a big step forward so I, I i think from that perspective it does matter to the players to say they had a winning record this season um but i think for hugh freeze it's more about kind of showing that you can you know take a take that big first year step which is a big first year step compared to the uh to the to to the to the brian harson you know era where auburn just you know did not have a good record at all this is this is Again, seven six is not a big step forward, but it's the beginning of a step forward. You're continuing some of that recruiting momentum you've that you've had off of signing day, and you're getting these these younger players a chance to kind of see the field for the first time and see meaningful snaps. So I think from all that perspective, this game does matter to Auburn um, more than maybe you know a typical Auburn team in the Music City Bowl might. I'm looking at a weather report. Are they expecting snow in Nashville today or tomorrow? They're not expecting snow in Nashville. It's a little chilly, um, but I, I've not seen anything expecting snow. It might rain. I've seen some some flashes of that. I don't think it's going to rain in the game unless the weather forecast has changed and I haven't looked at it yet. Um, but it, it, it is it is cold. I, I can tell you that for a fact. It, it is It is quite cold. <laughs> He's Matt Cohen, my colleague over at AL.com. He covers the Auburn Tigers. He joins us here on WNSP. Man, Billy Edwards just sounds like a perfect name of a guy that rarely ever plays, but is going to get into a game and just light it up, right? Be, get his 15 yeah. minutes of fame. The oh, name yeah. is just a Billy <laughs> I, Edwards. I, I thought he threw a really nice ball. I was watching yeah. him yesterday for about, we got about like 15, 20 minutes to go to go watch the Maryland practice. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's a Division One football player. He's not some slouch over there. Like, he yeah. throws a really nice football. Yeah, well, that in uh, MJ Morris, man. If I'm him this day with the NCAA's track record, I probably just go to see some judge. You can probably get in the game by the second half. <laughs> God, I so at this day and age, I have no idea how the transfer rules work. It's like <laughs> right. feel like a total free for all. Matt, let me ask you uh, about manpower, Auburn. Anything new lately? Any newcomers to the program? Um, and so you, you're seeing some of the freshmen um, that Auburn signed last week. Obviously, those guys cannot play in the Music City Bowl, but you're getting – I mean, I think Auburn has a couple of them at practice. I want to say it was like six or seven guys of, of the signing class are with the team in Nashville 
practicing. And man, that's going to help him come, come, you know, spring ball, come next fall, that these guys have already been through a bowl game practice. And, and you know, you know, again, they're not going to play, but given, you know, like, like, Demarcus Riddick, I think, is the highest-rated recruit who's been here. Um, and you know, seeing him go through those snaps with the linebackers, learning from guys like Eugene, like you know, like Eugene Asante, Austin Keys, that that are all here, and, and getting that coaching now is going to be a huge benefit. So, so I, I think stuff like that is going to be really good for Auburn. Uh, the interesting newcomer Auburn got, and it, again, he cannot play because of the same transfer reason. Auburn got a commitment and a signing. Um, two days ago, yesterday, two days ago now, from Sam Jackson, who yeah. you might remember because he was the quarterback that started against Auburn in the auburn Cal game this season um, and was really good, I thought, except the thing that Auburn did is they signed him as a wide receiver. Um, the last time that he played wide receiver was in high school with a quarterback you may have heard of whose name was Peyton Thorne at Naperville Central High School in Naperville, Illinois. So it's, an, it's a really interesting signing there. I'm, uh, I'm not sure entirely what the role is going to be for him going forward. He's never caught a pass in college. Um, he's never played wide receiver in college. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see kind of what they're going for there. It, it's, a, it's an interesting little fit there going into next season um, for a team that really you know could use a wide receiver with some experience, and, and that's not a wide receiver with some experience. Right, and you got to figure Peyton probably went to Hughes' office at some point and said, "Dude, we need this guy. Look at look, look what this kid can do." Right? At some point, they and, had to and, have a conversation. Yeah, and and what does that say about Hugh Freeze's confidence in Peyton Thorne, though? That yeah. you know, we talked about how 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 he's the guy going into next season, but now he's you know clearly there's confidence shown in him that Peyton assuredly was the one who's who started that. It had to have been. I don't know how else that would have come come about. And Hugh Freeze said, "Yeah, let's go do it." And I think that's a big vote of confidence in, you know, in Peyton Thorne. I know Hugh Freeze has downplayed bringing in a uh, transfer quarterback, but do you have the feeling that there will be one coming in or no? Honestly, I haven't seen Auburn really. I mean, you know, maybe they bring one in as a depth piece. I, Auburn still hasn't really shown any, you know, offers that we've seen publicly to our transfer quarterback recently. I can't think of one that visited campus in at all, actually. So I, I don't, I don't see any momentum toward that at this point. And I, I think it just further goes to that point that they are committed to Peyton Thorne, you know, and they're going to die on that hill. You know, the, the, the story that uh, besides <laughs> Jackson and, and you know, if, if he's a quarterback, he, he could be a backup, I'm sure. But the story that intrigues me is the place kicker from Auburn High School who is so called a five-star and you already have a, a really good place kicker in McPherson. And I'm assuming this uh, was his name, Gao. Uh, so it's spelled McGow, but I've learned it's Magoo, which is Magoo. fantastic. Yes, for <laughs> <television>. <laughs> Magoo. <laughs> so why why is he going to Auburn as a preferred walk-on, knowing and he doesn't get a scholarship yet, and backing up when he probably could go many other places and be a, a starter right away? Yeah, so that was actually one of Auburn's toughest recruiting battles, and interestingly enough, and and I I don't know every detail of what, of what went on beyond this behind the scenes, but I know Ole, Ole Miss was like the big other contender for him, and Ole Miss needs a kicker, I believe. So what what I recall, kind of the rumor there was, was that. I think Ole Miss offered him a scholarship, but there was kind of some uncertainty in terms of the stability of their special teams coaching staff. 
Um, whereas Auburn obviously does, does not have that issue. For him, you know, you know, he grew up an Auburn fan. He's from Auburn. Like he, like it was, a, it was more about staying home than anything. And I think basically the pitch Auburn had to make to him was like, you're going to sit for one year. McPherson's probably off to the NFL after next season, um, or at least he could be off to the NFL after next season. I, I am sure the promise probably was that they had known that he's going to do one more season at Auburn, and then it's, you know, town the goose turn. Otherwise, he's not going to sit for two years. That seems kind of crazy. Um, so I, I think that's the plan going forward, but I, I don't I, – I, obviously that could change because, you know, Alex is a top guy. Although I would probably argue that while McPherson had a really good season this year – Magoo is probably the more talented kicker, and I say that because just because we've seen him make some of these like you know sixty-yard field goals that I don't that not that McPherson can't make those. We we see him kicking from from that distance in warm-ups, but I think Magoo has that like the the more talented leg, if that makes sense. What are some of the activities that the uh, players at the Music City Bowl are taking part in? Uh, have you been part of any of it? So I stopped by. They had a welcome party on Wednesday night, and it. I I walked in, and it was it was a little weird to be there as a media member, honestly. So I don't think that was like we were invited to it, but it wasn't. I clearly was not for us. Um, but they they had a wing eating competition, which I think Auburn beat Maryland in that night. Um, and honestly, kind of a disappointing performance. I think they. I think it's the four of them combined to eat twenty one wings, which. Hmm. We, we can we can do better than that. No uh, and, uh, and I think last night I do not know what this was. This was not like a to the public event. But last night they had some like WrestleMania thing in the hotel ballroom, and I have no idea what that was. There was some some funny videos that came out of it. Um, today, um, uh, this afternoon is, is the is the joint press conference um, with Hugh Freeze and Mike Loxley. So we'll hear a bit from kind of what they've been up to there. And then I think there's a, another. Uh, like a like a fan event tonight uh, on Broadway. I don't I forget the exact bar, but it's somewhere on Broadway tonight. Yeah, I, I love the the awkward let's shake hands in front of the trophy moment. That's those are always good at the joint press conferences. And it's not as fun of a trophy as somewhere like the Pop Tart Bowl or whatever. Right? I know they've we've we've got the game got upped last night. No no doubt about it. Now I'm wondering uh, how, where do we go from here? These are the questions I ponder late at night, Matt. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, 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 how do you make a the Music City Bowl get on that same level of fun as a Pop Tart Bowl? If you had to pitch an idea, um, with auto, isn't it AutoZone? Uh, so it's Trans Perfect now, which I have looked up as a translation company. <laughs> a translation company. Um, <laughs> Culinary delights do not pop into my head when you say uh, trans perfect or whatever that is. No. But uh, no, nothing comes out. Yeah, uh, we'll spitball <laughs> it. We got a year. We'll figure it out. Um, Matt, uh, enjoy it, man. Thanks for always uh, having some time with us uh, for in 2023. We look forward to doing it again next year. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn, wing eating contest, and any uh, language translation we may need. So we're over at, at AO.com on the Auburn tab of the website, and then I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Cohen underscore. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, guys. man. Happy New Year. Have a great year. We appreciate it. You too. Happy New Year. That's uh, Matt Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll tell you about our WNSP team of the day. Glenn Gilbo is going to be along in hour number three. He'll preview Texas and Washington. Haven't spent nearly as much time on that one as the Alabama-Michigan game for obvious reasons. But also, Glenn wrote a piece earlier in the year, I think at the beginning of the year, 
that suggested that if uh, Nick Saban were to win a national championship, uh, the word retirement has kind of there, there, there might be a plan put in place. We'll see where he stands on that issue. And speaking of Alabama, Michigan, we'll talk to Mike Rodak at 8.30. So stay with us. We've got plenty left on this Friday edition right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. How would you feel if I told you you suck? I like it. Okay then, so that's, that's exactly how I felt, you know what I'm saying? So like, biggest thing for me, be true to myself and, you know, be stay the same. You know, nothing changed about me. Only thing that changed me about was, was I had an opportunity and I seized it. Hey, it's 7.50. Welcome back in. That's the voice of Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow. We'll get back to that here in just a second because that sparked a pretty interesting debate earlier this morning about how he handled that question. Uh, when it comes to questions about your roof, however, answer's easy. Presley Roofing. That's right. WNSP's team of the day. Uh, the opening kickoffs team of the day. The great folks at Presley Roofing been around for more than 70 years. They provide the Gulf Coast with personalized, high-quality roofing services. And here's the best part, at affordable rates. You don't believe me? George Spurlock meets with each and every client personally before anything is ever done. They do a number of things. Yeah, they'll prepare you for for storms and all that kind of stuff, and they have a bunch of preventative measures. But, man, if you're just curious, it's been a while, they'll come out for free, give you a free estimate, jump up there, and make sure you guys have, are taken care of. He's uh, He and Miss Samantha have been doing this for years. They don't chase storms. They've been around since 1949. They're always here. And you know what? Their best business is their repeat business. You don't have to call them very often, but when you when you do – you're coming back for more because that's the high-quality work that they got. That they do. Presley Roofing, free roof inspections and estimates, comprehensive roof repairs, storm damage restoration, roof replacements, re-roofing, new roof construction, emergency repair services. You name it, they do it. Not only residential, they'll take care of your business. So they do commercial roofing as well. Give them a call, 457 Six five nine eight. In about ten minutes, Miss Samantha will answer that phone. Four five seven six five nine eight. Tell them you heard about it right here on WNSP. George Spurlock and the fine folks at Presley Roofing. WNSP's team of the day. They take emergencies. So if things get crazy with fireworks, hypothetically, this New Year's Eve, they'll answer the phone. Again, Presley Roofing and George Spur Spurlock. WNSP's team of the day. To four five seven six five nine eight. All right, Jalen Milrow was asked, and he answered about Bill O'Brien's comment to him about how he should change positions. Should he have answered differently? Because we got a comment earlier today from someone that thought he should have done taken more of the team route and not made it about him. No, that's ridiculous. He answered it perfectly. He gave his opinion. I would have done the same thing. It, it wasn't a question about the team. It was about him being asked to change positions. What are you going to say as far as team-related? It was about him. Are you, Bill O'Brien, who's now the uh, New England offensive coordinator when he was at Alabama, suggested he switch to another position. 
And I think Milrow said, well, like, what position? He said, well, all, there's a variety of positions. And, and he basically didn't want to do it. I think he answered it as well as anybody could expect to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't really get the criticism. He was asked a question and answered it directly. And there seems to be this revisionist history with Bill O'Brien, too. I, y- you can look back at the numbers. Yeah, they scored 41 points a game. They also had the best quarterback to ever put on an Alabama uniform. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt your point, but to to that point, though, wasn't there also some question about did they did they cater too much to Bryce, what Bryce wanted, or did Bill O'Brien pigeonhole Bryce when he was at Alabama? I, I think Bill O'Brien wasn't necessarily set up the greatest in the sense that they've struggled on the offensive line the past couple of years. But at the same time, you know, Bryce Young's also a magician and was able to do some things that no other quarterback who's played under Nick Saban would have been able to do. Uh, so, you know, I it, you can go either way on that one. That being said, the offense has... I don't. It's hard to say underachieved when they scored 41 points a game, but... I don't know. I don't think Bill O'Brien would have been able to make it work this year the way Tommy Reese has. And wow, I don't. I don't know if we would have said that in the first three I, weeks. Of the w- well, which is crazy, but I mean. Well, but wait, back up here now, because in Tommy Reese's press conference, and I think he even alluded that there's a lot of input from Nick Saban. Well, know? I'm sure. So even if Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator and they got off to a slow start. Don't you think Nick would have intervened and and don't I? It's not like intervene. I think Nick has final say. I think no matter what, and I've heard him talk about this. It was years ago that it's his offense. I mean, it doesn't matter who the coordinator is. It's still Nick Saban who has final say. He's so not calling the plays though. He doesn't have to call the plays, but I mean, it's it, they during the week. You know, it's not like he just stays away from it. He's very I think he's very much more involved than people give him credit for. Maybe so, but I think at the end of the day though, I mean, how many times have we seen an evolution in the offense, right? It was yeah. pro style, he went to spread and he went to RPO. Like that's not Nick Saban going in there and saying, All right, here's what we're gonna do, fellas, and then knocking it out on the on the dry race. He brought those guys in to implement those implement those offenses. Now, when Kiffin's not running the ball, he's gonna get mad at him for not running the ball, but I think those coordinators have – I don't know if Saban has as much – I think he's got veto power. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if he's that actively involved in the day-to-day game planning. Well, unless, unless he calls me up and says I'm not involved, I, I'm still buying. All, and only based on conversations I've heard with him in person that is, quote, his offense. Now, granted, he's got coordinators, but it's still his offense, and they're going to do what he wants them to do. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he has nothing to do with the offense by any means. Uh, he's but, a micromanager. He's hands on. But yeah, I mean, I think the play caller matters. Uh, you know, I think Sarkeesian was was a genius. Granted, I also think Sarkeesian had the best talent. So you know, it depends how you weigh that. Uh, uh, offensive coordinator in my, and this is me is as good as your players. And we can go through the history of great offenses, and you look at the coordinator, and then maybe they don't. The players that come along aren't as good, and they're all of a sudden they're not quite as good offensively. We've seen that happen at Auburn. We've seen it happen in a lot of places. But getting back to Milrow's comment, what what do these people want him to say? I mean, I don't understand why anybody would criticize him for it. He was asked a question directly, and he answered it directly. What's what's wrong with that? It has nothing to do with the team. It's about him. It's an individual question. 
Well, it's like we always talk about, you know, we, we get bored with coach speak, but when somebody speaks his mind or actually gives an honest opinion or answer, then we kind of tear that apart. Yeah, it's kind of what we do now. But he wasn't asked about the team. He was asked about him personally, about changing I mean, positions. it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm not arguing I with know you. you. I, I know. I, I, but I, all I'm saying is generally, not necessarily, but generally these guys are coached to make it all about yeah. the team. So if, if you say, hey, Mark, what did Bill O'Brien say to you, and how did you feel when he told you that you should change position? And you say, you know, you, I, 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 I took it under advisement. I used it as confident. I, I used it to, uh, to motivate me, and, and it, it's worked out for this team as we're sitting here now in the, in the college football playoff, and my guys have really rallied around me and helped me uh, get acclimated to this role, and I'm still learning. Would you rather have Jalen Milrow? I mean, I, right? Would you rather have Jalen Milrow answer a question like that or Tommy Reese say, I'm not getting involved with that question? As he did with the sign stealing and right. what they were doing. What would you rather have? And why does time, every time somebody opens up their mouth, somebody's going to criticize them for what they said? Because we are a hot take society now. We're not. There are there are people that are not happy unless they're bitching about something. True. And that's not in sports. That's just in, in everyday general, life. In general, right? Yeah. There's always that guy that walks into your office. You guys know who I'm talking about out there. <sighs> Can you believe what uh, Billy said? I can't believe Mel said that in the meeting. Man, man, maybe I'm that guy. Maybe I'm the one at WNSP that's that guy. But not today. It's New Year's Eve as far as I'm concerned. We're having Pop-Tarts and champagne. I'll go with the Pop-Tarts. You can have the champagne. We should have planned better. That's on me. We ought to be having confetti in here, and we should have brought Pop-Tarts in. You know, tip of the cap to last night's game and presentation of the edible Pop-Tart. Which, by the way, was a disappointment to Bronner. We'll have to get back to that. Maybe we do a little grape juice for Lee. A little sparkling grape juice. Yeah, most Pop-Tarts are edible, to be clear. It was not an edible mascot. Thank you for the clarification. That's why they pay you the big bucks, sir. Yeah. All right, hour number three is next. Glenn Gilbo. What's uh, Nick Saban's future if they win? Glenn will speculate. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, one final hour. 2023 here on the opening kickoff we want to thank you guys for uh, hanging with us this year and we hope you hang with us again next year this is it for us at least for the calendar year but uh we will be off on monday kind of kind of we will not be on the opening kickoff however the wnsp pre pregame playoff preview show with the whole cast of characters will broadcast at 11 a.m Ahead of the Alabama-Michigan game on January 1, you'll hear from Bronner and Nick Wiggins and Lee Shervanian and myself and uh, a number of folks that uh, you might uh, find entertaining. We hope you join us. It's a two-hour show. And then, of course, we'll be back at it Tuesday at 6 a.m. Yeah, and, so and again, the Alabama-Michigan game will be on both stations, WZEW and Simulcast on WNSP, uh, two times Chris Stewart starting at 1 o'clock with the pregame kickoff from the Rose Bowl right around 4 o'clock. There's another game going on that night. It's the second game of the college football playoff. It features Texas and Washington. My good friend, award-winning journalist, now with OutKick, 
used to be based in Mobile. Uh, Glenn Gilbo will be covering that game. We've got a lot to cover with Glenn at this time. Glenn, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning, Lee. I'm uh, on my way to New Orleans, driving over uh, right now for some press conferences this morning with uh, Texas. How are you guys? We're doing wonderful. Before we get to the, the real, uh, let's say, the story we really wanted to talk to you about, Nick Saban, give us your preview of Texas and Washington. I look at this as being quite an offensive show, a very entertaining game. Uh, based on what you know about these two teams, what can we look for? Well, you know, both, both teams really had impressive victories over the regular season. Washington beat Oregon twice. And Oregon is a very good team. I mean, Bo Nix had a spectacular season. They were able to beat them twice in close games. They also beat a ranked Oregon State team. Um, and, of course, Texas beat Alabama and had a great season other than the loss to Oklahoma. Uh, great quarterback in Quinn Ewers versus Michael Penix from, from Washington, who had a shot to win the uh, – the Heisman at one point. Um, two great coaches in DeBoer and Sarkeesian. Um, I mean, I, you know, I think Washington is much better than the last time it was in the playoffs when it lost to Alabama but uh, several years ago. But I think, uh, I think both of these are really good teams. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a lot of offense going to be an exciting game and um, I mean I, I see Alabama beating Michigan and and either team that wins just will really be really cool if Alabama plays Texas again in Houston for the national championship saving versus another pupil but Washington is, is a you know I think they're a little underrated I, the, the people don't really know that much about them um, in the Southeastern Conference anyway so I, I think this is two great teams you know, you know what's interesting? I was just thinking about this. You mentioned uh, yours. If he gets shaken up or, let's say, put out of action for a while, Arch Manning takes over, right, as the backup quarterback playing in his hometown. You faded out on me there. What was yeah, the I, was, I was saying, if, if, if yours gets shaken up or taken out or has to leave the game for a while, they turn to uh, Arch Manning, who's playing in his home city. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, he could, he could literally... Uh, if he has access to a car or anything or a friend, he can drive from the hotel to his grandfather's house in, a, in about five minutes, right down St. Charles Avenue. But, um, yeah, you know, Arch has not played much at all. Uh, he's had some, you know, mop-up duty. But, uh, yeah, that would be a dramatic moment. I mean, that's how his uh, uncle Peyton entered the picture uh, in his first game against UCLA. Wasn't supposed to play uh, at 94. And uh, went in, and the rest was history. Eli made Eli Manning, his uh, his other uncle, yeah. made, made his debut in a bowl game. When they thought the game was over, they put him in, and he damn near won the game against West Virginia. Uh, so yeah, that would be that would be very cinematic to say the least. But Quinn Ewers is a great quarterback. If, if Quinn does not get hurt against Alabama in, in 2022, I was at that game. I mean, Texas wins that game. Glenn Gilbo joining us. He's without kick. And, Glenn, back when, when the season started, you penned a story, and I don't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, where you insinuated that if Alabama wins the national title this year, that Nick Saban would announce his retirement. 
you pick it up from there. Do you still hold to that? I think I really think that could happen. Uh, and since I wrote that, there are other people who feel like that could happen too. Uh, Chris Lowe among them, who's probably closer to Nick than, than anyone. But in September, I wrote a feature quoting, without using his name, an old friend of Nick from his LSU days, who's kind of a behind-the-scenes money guy um, at LSU who's good friends with Nick and still is, has stayed at Nick's house and vice versa over the years. And, and he, he told me then that – and I sent you that story too – that, that um, he thought Nick was either going to retire after this season – or next season, which is not really – it's not that wild of a prediction because he is 72, and it's going to happen sooner or later. Uh, but the most recent column, I, I just think it's a perfect scenario for, for a Nick exit. If he wins it this year, he can announce his retirement for a year later and then get to go through the 12-team playoff in the new SEC, and then he would have – obviously Alabama will make the 12-team playoff next year, so he'd have he'd – have, you know, a, a chance to, to win it again. Uh, now, Chris thinks if he wins it this year, he's just going to leave immediately, you know, within a week or so. Um, but I think it would be cool for him to have, like, a uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar-like goodbye tour next year. And who else would you rather picking the next coach at Alabama than Nick having a say in that and having a lot of time to do it if he stays on as the coach? Other, you know, Skip Bertman actually did that. It was in, it was in baseball. That was a little different, but I just think it would be a cool exit strategy. And you, you could recruit and say, hey, or especially in the portal, hey, come be a part of Nick's last team in 2024. That'd be quite a recruiting strategy. All right, playing devil's advocate, and what would he? Why would he want to retire if he's still in good health, which I assume he is? What would he do? I mean, it just seems this drives him. This is. This is one of the things where, you know, what else could he turn to? Yeah, I know he could go into TV and, and, and things like that, and maybe that's maybe that's what he wants to do, but I, I don't get the impression yet that he's ready to step down. Well, I can tell you he really dislikes the NIL and the portal, even though he's, a, you know, been really good at it. Uh, he, he, does, he doesn't like it, and, I mean, he is getting older. You know, he's got to deal with that sooner or later. Why not go out on top? Um, but he really, he really doesn't like the, particularly the portal because it takes away a lot of teaching when a kid could just, you know, get mad as a freshman after three months and say he's leaving, which is ridiculous. And then they leave again after the second year because they can't find a coach who lets them do whatever they want. Uh, it's just really a bad rule. Um, and then um, he, do, he doesn't like what NIL is doing, how it's, how it's been used. So I think that's part of it. But, you know, Nick, uh, Chris Lowe thinks Nick could be the uh, commissioner of college football. Um, if he thinks he might be interested in that. I mean, that's not a position yet, but it has been thought about and talked about as a czar of college football. I think, I think he would be an excellent analyst, analyst on, on television, but he might get bored doing that. You know, he's, he's used to coaching games. The hell of a golfer still. You know, he's finally traveling a little bit, so I, I think um, I think he could do it, you know. Uh, and, and yes, he's still a great coach. There's no question. He's probably had his, one of his best coaching years ever. But I, I think it's going to be time 
you know, sooner than later, sooner or later, and I think it's going to be more sooner than later. You know, Glenn, I've said for years the hypothetical when he does decide he's had enough. I, I know people like to talk about college football commissioner, but he would make a killing as a college football consultant. Six-month, 12-month contract, your university, your football program hires him, and he teaches the process. He teaches you how to build a program. He could name his price. Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea, and, and not for one school. Right. You know, he could travel around, Absolutely. like do one school for two months, and then another one, and he would like that because it would be more behind the scenes because he's, he's really kind of a private, shy person and he he doesn't like the limelight as much as a lot of coaches do so that that would work too i think all right so we're assuming based on your story if he wins at all what if he doesn't what if alabama gets eliminated yeah well you know that that could motivate him to come back or it could uh uh you know he could still you know maybe in his mind he's already decided um uh he would he would still go out you know, pretty close, but yeah, I, I think I think if he wins it all, it's the perfect scenario. If he loses, and and then you got the twelve team playoff, you know, he might he might stick around longer. You know, and, and that's the thing; he is he is really healthy, um, but he's you know he's changed somewhat. I mean, he's got grandchildren. He did go on a European vacation last year that he that he really enjoyed. But the thing is, you know. He did all. He's doing all that, but he's still winning, you know. Uh, but you know, he might just be mentally tired of it too. You would never know it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's admitted he's he was exhausted this year, so uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it, it's you know, it's it's the conversation we have about athletes all the time, Glenn, is about when is it time to say when, especially when you're at the top of your game, right? These guys are so competitive. Uh, and he's still in the running, as you mentioned. It's it's just not as easy as saying, "Man, I'm 72. I'm done." Exactly. I I, I think uh, going out on top would would really be cool, and and that would be something that uh, he'd like to do. And I, and I think also, I think it's important to him because every other exit he's had, you know, he had to leave in a hurry and everything, and he really couldn't concern himself with the program. But but if he kind of exited his if he, if he announced his exit or prior, he could really, you know, make sure the program is in great shape before he leaves. Of course, if he wins the national championship, he could leave a week later and the program would be in great shape. My sure. goodness. But I, I'd like to see Nick have his say in in finding a new coach. Because, you, you know, they used to do that. Like Dean Smith yeah. did it and Skip Bourbon did it. But they did poor jobs at it. I would like to see Nick – Really, big. I mean, if Nick says, "Oh, this guy's a future great head coach," that would mean more than anybody else saying that. Hey, great stuff, Glenn. Uh, always appreciate you having time for us, man. Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, how can people uh, follow your coverage of uh, the Sugar Bowl? And I'm sure you got that column already pre-written about Arch Manning stepping on the field to lead the Longhorns to a last-second victory. Outkick.com. It's it's a free website under Fox News. Uh, Outkick.com, and we have college football, NFL, and a little bit of everything politics as well. I've been I've been on uh, vacation, but I'm fixing to have a lot of stories over the next several days, and then I'll be in Houston on January 8th for what could be 
Nick Saban's last ever game. All right, can, as long as you cover the NFL, what about Dennis Allen with the Saints? We've been tossing that around this morning. Does he stay after this year? Boy, you know, I don't think he should stay after this year. But the the, the Saints organization, they, they kind of don't want to fire him because they just don't know how to hire a new coach. Um so I'm not sure what's going to happen. That that organization is just a little rudderless right now. Gail Benson is, is inexperienced. Uh, really, Mickey Loomis, he's been around a long time. But really, Sean Payton operated as the GM when he was the coach. Mickey Loomis was more of a capologist. And we saw what they did. They hired Dennis Allen. I wrote it at the time. I, I didn't think that was a good hire. So they might keep him, you know, and and and, and – Give him another chance because, in their mind, they let Sean Payton go seven and nine three times in a row. It didn't fire him, but that was after Sean had won hugely, obviously the Super Bowl, and then he recovered from the seven and nine and won four straight division titles. Nearly got to another Super Bowl, so it's a little different. But they they think that you know if they stick with him, he's going to make it, and I, I just don't see it. But. I would be surprised if they make a move on him. All right. Well, here's what you do. You just you just offer Arch Manning tomorrow a huge contract that outweighs his NIL, and he just he just goes straight to the Saints. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of talk of uh, there's been a lot of talk of Peyton Manning getting into an ownership situation of the Saints. Oh. The, probably the best the best thing for the Saints would probably be to sell the team to local ownership. Now, Peyton can't quite afford that, but he could be part of a group uh, that would own the team. I think that would be the best remedy for them. Glenn, great stuff, man. Happy New Year's. Thanks for the time, man, and enjoy the game, and we'll be in touch for sure. All right, Happy New Year to you guys. Uh, that is Glenn Gilbo, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so when we come back, we'll visit with David McCrary of LCM Motorcars. Mike Rodak will be along at 830 for uh, some Alabama-Michigan talk. We'll get you a little traffic, a little weather. 2023 coming to a close on the opening kickoff fear not we're back in 24 for better or for worse uh continue with your comments in the app at wnsp.com it's our kind of our new year's eve kind of celebration here on wnsp stay with us hi this is dan jennings with the washington nationals and you're listening to wnsp sports radio 105.5 Kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. Hey, it's 824. David McCrary, LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com joins us here on WNSP, here on the verge of a new year, yet LCM is rolling along. Good morning, sir. Yeah, we're ready for the new year um, to get here. We've got a great inventory. We um, bought um, five yesterday. Um, got some really nice, inexpensive stuff under ten grand. We also um, bought, which is kind of a rare vehicle, it's a 2020 Colorado four-wheel drive crew cab, um, and it is it's front front line ready. I mean, it's brand new inside and out. Uh, so the inventory that we've got, we're in really good shape. All right. So uh, I know it's the holidays, but you guys are working hard. Tell everybody what your hours are. When's the best time to come see you guys? 
Uh, we're here now today until 6. We'll be here tomorrow 9 to 2, and then uh, we're closed Sunday and Monday and be back open Tuesday regular hours, 8 to 6 during the week and 9 to 2 on Saturday. Hey, David, we really appreciate everything you do here at WNSP. Hope you and yours have a happy new year, and uh, we'll be in touch, sir. All right, buddy. Have a good day. Yep, that's David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Go on out there, man. It's uh, a pretty impressive uh, uh, layout they have. I've been out there numerous times. Uh, they will get you what you need if they don't have it, but they are constantly updating their their uh, their inventory. They're right there on Highway 90. Go check them out at lcmmotorcars.com. Check them out on Facebook. They're always updating with pictures and specs of the new automobiles they're getting. And like I always tell you, man, uh, they are um, if they're always looking for new stuff. So if Lee walked in and said he wanted a purple Prius, Prius, if there's one out there. They will get it. They will get it. So uh, go check them out. Our thanks to Dave McCrary and LCM Motorcars. Not really partial to purple. Uh, but I just want to throw a, like a, sure. an outlandish. What's the most yeah. outlandish color you've ever seen on a car? Turquoise. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you, one color that is so prevalent, but I don't want one, is white. Yeah. yeah. I see so many. Well, we have one. They look nice. They do, but I, I'm just yeah. I, I don't want to drive a car that's color white. Yeah, I hear you. They're tough to keep clean, man. I always go with. I got a lot of gray. Gray's fine because it, it's blue. It looks the same, dirty or clean. Now it lacks a little shine, but whatever. I'm one. I wish I would wash my car more, but I'm just kind of of the belief that if you just wash, it's just going to get dirty again. That's how I subscribe to that, too. I mean, I love a nice-looking car, but I just feel it in a couple days, it's just back to looking the way it was. You know, my only, well, not my only pet peeve driving, but uh, going to New Orleans the other day, or actually to Slidell, some truck in front of me spit up a pebble, and now I got a little crack in the window. What are some of your other pet peeves driving? Oh, come on, there's plenty of them. Uh, driving in the fast lane, and then somebody cuts you off. Right there. Oh, well, I'm the, somebody guy, I'm the guy cutting you off. Cut, okay, somebody <laughs> comes in the salon, cuts you off, and then puts on the brakes. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, let me play devil's advocate. When he cuts you off, the intention isn't to cut the brakes the, or, or jam the brakes. It's to keep going. But somebody in front of you wasn't doing what – see, I'm an offensive no, driver, that's not, unfortunately. Okay, if look, when I if I'm in the slow lane and I'm going to move in front, I make sure there's a lot of room. I'll have a guy just cut right in. And it just squeeze in. Let's say there's a big truck in this little lane. He wants to avoid that. But he'll squeeze in. And knowing that there's somebody right in front of him, just jam on the brakes. And, of course, that's I gotta, a pet peeve. I, here, my, I'm not, I don't care as much about blinkers as a lot of people do. What it does bother me is when you're on a road, say like Highway 90, and you have to take a right turn that isn't at a light and there's no blinker. That's a little frustrating. That was my other one, the blinkers. Yeah. People do not signal they're going to turn. And that's my other one, Michael. Mm. There's some people right after my heart. I'm driving in the fast lane doing 60 or 75 when you should be doing 80 plus. Amen, brother. Amen. That's my third. Yeah. Just a couple off the top of our heads. We didn't even give you a chance to get in. Maybe you can get in at the end of the day. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe so. Maybe we'll ask Mike Rodak. Well, I Mike, wonder how they drive over in Cali. Michael flies, so he doesn't have pet peeves driving. He's he he gets uh, had to drive to New Orleans and from LaGuardia to New Jersey. You don't have your own driver. Somebody just pick you up. Well, my dad picked me up in New York. Hey, kudos to you, Dad. 
All right, here comes Mike Rodak from Cali. Hang with us. The opening kickoff. We were watching together uh, just because uh, early I said, um, I think they said Michigan was like stealing signs from like the first eight weeks or something like that. So us is watching film with the team because we're not allowed to watch um, film on our own because we don't want any, I guess, stuff like that happening again. How does that change how you I mean, it doesn't change at all. We still gonna, we still gonna watch the film. We still gonna get the hours in. Uh, we still gonna look over the defense, do everything we would in, um, in a regular game. As, as a competitor, as a player, like how do you deal with knowing that you know that the team that did that at one point in time? You know, how, how do you handle that? I mean, it honestly doesn't even matter to me because the day they still gotta go on the field to play us. So all of them stealing signs. I mean, you can know, you can know my route. I mean, but you still gotta guard me. Eight thirty-three. Uh, the sign-stealing scandal continues. Fourth and 31, Isaiah Bond will go down in Alabama lore. That's the reason they got, one of the reasons they got this far with that catch. Isaiah Bond talking about sign-stealing. We, uh, we're going to steal Mike Rodak for a few minutes. Uh, he's uh, going to be covering Alabama and uh, Michigan. And welcome to the show, Mike. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How are you? Happy New Year. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. It's great to hear from you. Uh, when are you leaving? Or are you, you're not there yet, I'm, I'm assuming, right? You're going to go over the weekend? Rose oh, Bowl? no, yeah. I've, I've been here. Uh, the team traveled down Tuesday, so most of us were here either Tuesday or Wednesday, and um, there was a long you know, press conference they had at Disneyland on Wednesday, and then there's you know, the offensive stuff yesterday, as you just heard from Bond, and um, a little bit later this morning is the the defense going for Alabama, and then we get to repeat it all on media day Saturday and coaches press conference Sunday. So I'm impressed. It's a long week. I'm impressed. <laughs> so, we, so it's like six thirty out there now, and you joined us. Yeah, that's yeah, a first. Well, I've been up. I think I woke up at three thirty yesterday. You know, just Thank body you. clock. Um, so <laughs> it is what it is. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait. A, so woke up or been up? You party animal. No, no, I believe me, I was in bed early uh, <laughs> after my travel day Wednesday and Thursday morning. You know, I typically with the kids, I wake up at 530 in Birmingham and, and that's 330 Pacific time here. So my body just woke up. <laughs> and I was up ever since. Uh, Mike, of course, covering the game for 24-7. Uh, uh, and we appreciate him getting up with this. It's like a first to get him up this early with us. I know you're up early, but to join us this early. Is Alabama too paranoid on the sign stealing for this new strategy of theirs, or do you accept it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's overblown because I, I think there's there's some meat there, and it wasn't just Isaiah Bond who mentioned it. It was Jace McClellan and, and J.C. Latham, and, you know, once it was kind of mentioned initially by Bond, and, you know, people were asking other players about it, and um, to you know, a certain extent players were confirming it. They weren't necessarily saying it was – because of Michigan, or they're, they're told it was because of Michigan. I think they assumed uh, that part of it. And, you know, Alabama, I, I don't really know, I want to say agreed with them, but, like, the people who work for Alabama weren't exactly saying the same thing. So, um, you know, to me, it's more of an issue of security of these tablets and the film when you have a bunch of players who are, playing in this playoff and playing in these bowl games, or at least one, maybe two, um, who may not be here and who may literally have a foot out the door um, because there's going to be, just from a pure number standpoint, at least 10 or 12 players who transfer after the season's over for Alabama if they have to. That's, you know, they need to get down to the scholarship limit for next year. 
And when you have all those players who are probably already talking to other teams and, again, kind of foot out the door, you, you kind of want to keep it secure, your information secure. Um, so, I, honestly, I think that probably plays into it more than even just the Michigan-specific stuff. But, obviously, yes, Michigan does have the history of trying to, um, you know, get information any way they can. So, you know, it's precautionary. I don't know if it's solely – because of Michigan, and again, it's it's a little bit tangential. Like stealing signs and going to games to watch signs is a lot different than stealing practice film off somebody's iPad. Um, so yes, they have players in in a single room watching it together, and that's the only place they can access it. And again, I think to me that might have more to do with we don't know who these players are talking to and who they're loyal to at this point. Um, because again, there's a large number of players who won't be here as soon as Tuesday if, if they lose this game or, you know, as soon as the following Tuesday if they win. Mike Rodak joining us to talk about the game. Play this game out for us in your mind right now after talking to coaches, some of the players. Uh, what do you see happening Monday? Yeah, I mean, it seems like despite the, the betting line and, you know, Michigan being favored that there's a lot of people who think Alabama's going to win this one. Um, I don't say easily, but, you know, convincingly maybe. And, um, look, I think it's Michigan knows that, you know, it's, they're going to have to stop Jalen Milrow and that Milrow's, you know, probably different than any quarterback that they've seen. And I know there's the whole um, Alex Orgy thing that came up a couple of days ago with Harbaugh kind of comparing Milrow to their backup quarterback, Orgy, uh, saying he's more polished and that's scary. And I, I don't think that was really a slight against Jalen Milrow. I think it was just Harbaugh trying to say, He's a very athletic quarterback who's kind of figured a lot of things out. Um, and so, you know, Michigan needs to stop that. Michigan needs to play more physical at the line of scrimmage than Georgia did um, in, in terms of stopping Alabama's offensive line and their running game. And, you know, for Alabama, I think it's you've you got to be able to stop Michigan in the run game when they know they're running, you know they're running, the whole place knows they're running, and they line up seven big bodies in front of you. Can you stop that? And generally Alabama's done a good job of that. You know, I think the Auburn game is probably the exception um, in terms of the run defense. But if those two things are handled, if, if Jalen Miller can make some plays against Michigan, if Alabama can stop Michigan's run, then I think Alabama wins again, convincingly, maybe not easily. Mike, is it a, I guess it's a fair criticism of Jim Harbaugh that you get to this point and have been in this position before and really can't close the deal, whereas on the other side, Nick Saban clearly has a proven record. How much of that kind of plays into this whole dynamic that uh, that, that Harbaugh just hasn't been able to get this done? I mean, to be fair, he couldn't beat Ohio State, too, and he kind of worked that out. So He did, yeah. And, you know, it's I, I was asking players, Michigan players yesterday, too, about you know losing to Georgia and losing to TCU. Yeah. And, you know, how does that kind of motivate them? And yeah, I think they, they feel it. Like, you know, they feel the pressure of, we got to, we got here again, we got to do something with it. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's probably, there's a big 10 angle there too, where I think their players are trying to prove something that they can play with the SEC, that they're not, just not going to get run over by Georgia or at Alabama, um, like they did two years ago. So, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a pride factor there. And, 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 you know, that's basically what college football has become too, is, is the big 10 versus the SEC. So, 
as it consolidates more, I mean, next year, Texas and Washington will be SEC and Big Ten. Um, so which one of those conferences is better, you know, has the better players, is more dominant? I think this is kind of a, a microcosm of that game. And, you know, I, for Harbaugh, too, it's we don't know where he's going to be next year. Like, I think it's still very much up in the air, whether he stays at Michigan, um, whether there's truly an, an opportunity for him in the NFL. You know, I think the, the Los Angeles Chargers would be a pretty good fit for him. Um, if he decides to bolt and that he's done with, with all this NCAA stuff. So, you know, this could be his last chance. Even if he beats Alabama, then <laughs> um, it still could be his last year. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of pressure on him and, you know, a lot of pressure on the Big Ten in general. Based on your conversations with Alabama and Michigan players, do you get the impression that Ala- uh, that Michigan players would run through the door for Harbaugh let's say like Alabama players would, would say been the motivation factor and so forth. Do they feel the same way about their head coach as Alabama players do? Yeah. From what I've heard so far, um, and we have more Michigan players coming up, you know, this morning, uh, their offensive players to kind of get a better feel. But yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's kind of that I was against the world mentality that, you know, it could be dangerous, you know, for, for Alabama. If you have Michigan really motivated by, um, you know, people questioning their success and um, how much of it due to sign stealing and all that, um, you know, that could actually be a motivating factor. And, it, and they seem to rally around Harbaugh both times. He was suspended early in the season, and then he was suspended later in the season. And obviously they won all those games. So, you know, I, I think the answer is yes, but I'm sure in the back of their minds, those players are also thinking, is Harbaugh still going to be here next year? Um, or is he going to the NFL? And, and to be perfectly honest, I think Alabama players could probably have the same question themselves. Uh, is Nick Saban still going to be here next year? Or, you know, is what point does he retire? So, um, you know, I think both players are motivated for their coaches, probably different reasons. Um, but, yeah, again, I think Michigan can be a little bit dangerous because of that aspect where they're coming in as the favorite, but there's also a pretty big chip on their shoulder. Mike Rodak, our guest here on WNSP for another couple minutes. You know, we talked about it all week. Uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, who, who has forgotten more football than I'll ever know, clearly, uh, made a really good point because there's so much talk about Michigan and its inability or the lack of a big play there offensively uh, for them. And you might be better suited to answer this question after you talk some offensive guys today from them. But he was saying, man, they, they kind of really let it fly early in the season. They kind of reeled it back in in the mid to later parts of the season. Don't know if that's because of the schedule or the opponents, but I think people nationally kind of automatically dismiss their inability to make big plays offensively, which is why some people like Alabama here. But maybe that's maybe that's not the right narrative at this point. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's a good point because, you know, J.J. McCarthy was – the Heisman favorite at one point in October um, and was putting up some pretty big numbers. And, you know, I think Michigan's non-conference schedule and, and lack of any, you know, real challenges on that end probably helped that. Um, plus, you know, playing, you know, the Big Ten schedule for them is typically a little bit backloaded um, where, you know, you play Penn State and Ohio State later in the year um, and you're playing some other lesser Big Ten teams early. So I mean, maybe that plays into it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's Michigan's top 10, top 12 scoring offense right now. And, um, you know, McCarthy's certainly a very capable quarterback. Um, you know, I think I, I, I think when you listen to Nick Saban sometimes, you can kind of pick up on 
where he sees certain position groups. And he, he said Michigan's receivers are good. Their tight end is great. Um, and I think those words are always very deliberate. So, you know, they're probably better at tight end. And, um, you know, there's been, you know, go back to the Texas game, Jatavion Sanders and um, Whittington, you know, certainly made some plays against Alabama. So you got to defend the tight end. You got to defend the run. Um, I think Alabama would love it if J.J. McCarthy's throwing the ball 35 or 40 times. I think that's the sort of game they want to play. Um, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I just, I just don't think Alabama wants to sit back and ha- have Michigan be able to run the ball two, three, four times in a row against them uh, every drive. Other than turnovers, because you ask any coach or anybody, you know, what's going to dictate, well, turnovers. Put that aside. What does this game boil down to? Yeah, I think <laughs> I was going to say Jalen Milrow and his ability to avoid turnovers. But, look, I think it's, it's Milrow's decision-making in general. Uh, it just doesn't have to do with turnovers, and and Alabama's been very good in the turnover department. Let's let's not brush that over. That um, I think between halftime of the Tennessee game and now, the offense has turned the ball over only once, and that was against Kentucky when Miller threw the pick, and then they got the ball right back when when Terran Arnold uh, picked it off. So they protected the ball really well, and obviously Miller's gotten a lot better at making the decisions. And again, it's not just interception versus catch or fumble it's not just a turnover issue for him it's when you get outside the pocket are you throwing the ball downfield are you tucking and running are you throwing it away are you taking the sack like he's gotten a lot better at figuring that part of his game out um it's not perfect but that's you know when they get into trouble it's when Milrow's doing things that he shouldn't be doing out there um outside the pocket so yeah, I don't say the entire game boils down to that, but I think Alabama's offense looks a whole lot better when Jalen Miller is doing the right thing um, in those situations. Is this your first uh, trip to the Rose Bowl? It is. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a tough one. Obviously, if you're covering the SEC historically to get to um, because of the Big Ten and Pac-12. Obviously, the playoff changed that. You know, the BCS changed it because it was part of the BCS, and then the playoff it became a semifinal. You know, I covered the Rose Bowl in Dallas, <laughs> the Alabama-Notre Dame one. Um, but, you know, going forward, there's no more Pac-12, first of all, but there's no more Big Tw- 10 or Pac-12 affiliation. I mean, this is a game that will be a semifinal for the next two years in the college football playoff, and it could be any two teams that are playing in it. So um, Alabama could be making a whole lot more trips out here, and they, as far as we know, they could be playing an SEC team. It could be an SEC versus SEC Rose Bowl next year. There's, There's no rule against that going forward what's been the highlight of the trip so far it's it's funny you know everybody says you're going to la it's just like when you go to the sec spring meetings in destin and everybody's like oh you're going to the beach it must be nice and no the sec meetings are in the basement of a hotel <laughs> um, and that's where you spend most of your day and, and it's really the same thing here it's in the basement of a hotel uh where we have all these press conferences so um, I haven't really left the hotel other than to go to practice yesterday, and that was trying to write a story on a shuttle bus. So um, that's the highlight of my trip so far. I don't know how much I'm going to see. It's uh, Again, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, I don't think this bowl week is going to last next year in the 12-team playoff. I don't think teams are going to be out six or seven days before games um, because they're going to be playing potentially three bowl games back-to-back-to-back. So this is luckily for us the last time we have to go out here and um, you know work in a hotel basement for six days in a row. So you couldn't even grab maybe you grab some uh, Disneyland 
T-shirts for the for the family on, in the airport on the way out and tell them you went. Exactly. Yeah, I, I missed it on Wednesday. The team went, or at least you know some of the players went, and I was still flying my way in, so I missed that part of it. Well, there's always next year, uh, assuming uh, the company wants to splurge a little bit. Hey, we always appreciate you having time for us, man. Thank you. Happy New Year to to you and your family. And tell everybody before we get out of here how they can continue to follow your coverage as Alabama prepares for Michigan. Yeah, you too. Um, and you can follow me on uh, Bama247.com, also on uh, X at Mike Rodak. Hey, man, have a great trip. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we'll be in touch. You got it. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. All right, it's 8.48, one fine, excuse me, 8.49. We're inching ever so closer to the end of the year, at least for the opening kickoff. Clearly, one segment is just not enough time to recap all of 2023. Will Nick Saban, will Jim Harbaugh, will Lee Corso, will Lee Shervanian be back in 2024? Might be able to answer one of those questions for you. But which one? I think the Lees have it. You think the Lees? The Lees will be back. For sure. Is there a better chance that both Lees are back or one of those coaches isn't the coach at that institution better they're at right now? Better chance that both Lees will be back. Mm. I don't know. There's nobody in that corner office. I'll, I'll, I'll make some calls. One final segment. Stay with us. Hey, this is Stuart Sink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSB Sports Radio in Mobile. segment of the year and we didn't even talk someone in the app from new year's resolutions y'all got them y'all use them i don't do them? i don't make resolutions do you i don't make resolutions resolutions make me they um do. you know i'll do the I, regular i gotta even. drop 10 pounds kind of stuff I'll, I'll be pretty good for about four weeks maybe three weeks i won't start until after the national championship game and probably end before mardi gras so that gives me about a, i don't know 17 minutes so window. michael should we weigh him uh, after when he comes in here on Tuesday, and then see if he drops those ten pounds. Sure, do the same to me. Are you got a resolution? I I don't know if it's a resolution. You think people actually keep them? They they say stuff, and maybe at midnight the ball's dropping. They're drinking. Oh, I'm gonna do this, and then just and forget they, and about put, it. And they put that drink down right there as soon as the ball drops. Yeah, forget, done. Done. Forget about it. <clears throat> no, uh, the best advice I saw was on social media. Uh, eat as much as humanly possible in December, gain as much weight, the weight loss will be even more impressive in January when you go to diet. <clears throat> and that's kind of what I'm going with. I can't imagine you being on a diet, just me. It's kind of a pointed question to Michael in the app there. I don't know if you want to touch that one. Which one? I don't know if I should mention it. <laughs> mention it. Is it clean? There, well, there's one for you in there, too. Good. Let's hear it. Is Lee's New Year's resolution to retire? No. No. So it's put it to, it's put to rest. Oh, now, am I acting as a team or is it just individually now? Am I allowed yeah, to do? Why is it about you? Yeah, Jalen Shervanian. Yeah, should it be about everybody here? Lee Milrow. Yes. Right. Yeah. Why are you making it about you, Lee? Oh, uh, because the question was asked about me. All right. Well, here's one for you. Are you getting married, Michael, for the, in the, for the new year? Uh I, I don't think I will be married in 2024. Now, that's more of a team question. Yeah. 
That wasn't a flat-out denial. No, that was a He didn't say no, completely, 100% no. Uh, guys, since we're kind of running out of time, quickly, uh, Monday, who do you see? Which two teams advance? Uh, I think Alabama and I'm going to say Texas, but I don't re- I don't feel real confident about that. The closer we get to that game, the more I feel like Washington is kind of like this team that just kind of continues to find a way to win. What do you think, Michael? Wa- in the Washington game or the Alabama no, game? Both. Both. Who, both. who advances? The two teams that advance. I'm sticking with Alabama and Washington. Okay. What do you think? I'm going Alabama and Texas and I'm all I'm almost I don't want to use the word like Michael Rodak. Mike Rodak used convincingly. I think Alabama wins by more than ten points. Ooh, double digit win. Yes. Mm. Texas maybe not as much. Now the only thing that could change that is if viewers has to leave the game with an injury. I'm not as confident yet as an Arch Manning. Well, it's been known to happen in Texas it has. That's what I'm saying. He's had to leave some games. And the backup, you know where the backup is now, don't you? Duke. Yeah. It would be so great if, if Arch got in that game, though, in New Orleans. Oh, wouldn't it what a get, great story. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to that game. Not as much as the Alabama game, but uh, but I am going to watch that game also, at least stay awake as long as I can. By the way, tomorrow we have Alabama basketball on WNSP. They're playing Liberty. And then okay. we have the Monday, the uh, Saturday night matchup, Detroit and Dallas NFL. We haven't talked about that Malik Murphy thing a ton. But it's like, it, it's so unfathomably ridiculous, the college football calendar. I mean, the, the way Malik Murphy didn't want to leave Texas and we're, you know, a thumb against a helmet away from a guy who could potentially decide the national championship in the sport having to leave because of the way the setup is made because free agency in the draft for you know to compare it to the NFL is happening during the postseason. Well, it's so are, ridiculous. But you know there are guys that are playing that are going to leave, and they've already announced they're leaving. Why couldn't he stay at Texas and then leave right after? I don't know if it's because limited opportunity or what. Like he didn't want to leave. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like he he if he felt it was in his best interest to stay, he would have stayed. So I. I mean, there needs to be a complete overhaul when you say of the college he didn't football want to, calendar. Then why? I mean, he could have stayed and maybe gotten into the game. You don't know, and then decided to go somewhere else, or you know, maybe it's already planned out. I, 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 I know of players who have said they're going to play in the game and then move on. So I don't understand. I don't know what went on. You do you know, obviously know a lot more about this? I think that you know, opportunities get limited. Teams who need a quarterback fill out. Things happen, but. All that being said, you know, one thing I would like to see in 2024 is a complete overhaul of the college football calendar. Can you imagine if in the NFL if they were doing free agency in the draft during the playoffs? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, that'd be so good. All right. Hey, on behalf of everybody here at WNSP, I want to wish you and yours a happy New Year's. We are off on Monday, the opening kickoff. But the WNSP's pre-pregame playoff preview show, 11 a.m., we're all on it. Well, Sands one guy. Uh, at 11 a.m. on January 1, we are back January 2 at 6 a.m. to recap it all. Think about this. You and I made it through another year. Mm-hmm. How about that? How many? Well, I mean, I could trip right there on Dolphin and don't go out there off the street. But, yes, we made it. Congratulations, Lee. Let's celebrate. Pop-tarts for everybody. All right, until 2024. See ya.